For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. We move from one festival event to another here on Side. It's great to have a lot of things back. The front of the Echo today talks about the jazz bonanza. All roads leading to Cork for the October bank holiday weekend and publicans, hoteliers, um, welcoming the return of the full Guinness Cork Jazz Festival. And what's great about it this year, and fair play to... Uh, uh, Michael O'Donovan of the Vintners Federation, he says this year it'll be the first time since 2019 that there'll be a full jazz without restrictions. Uh, last year was limited, but this year it's a full-on a roaring event. Um, we're talking about maybe 35 million in revenue for the city, and I hope the hotels behave themselves now and everybody behaves with regards to pricing and, and gouging people, which has become all too familiar in the Irish scene these days. So that's a good thing. Um, they also, Michael actually says in the Echo today that really once you hit, I'm paraphrasing what he's saying, but once you hit the jazz weekend, it's a straight run into Christmas. <laughs> so you can link the jazz weekend in October with Christmas in December. <laughs> case you didn't know. Um, also, the papers this morning are very much dominated by our politicians. Yes, one in particular, a junior minister by the name of Robert Troy, but I think it shines a light on all of our politicians who, who could have conflicts of interest in their in their daily jobs, particularly if they are landlords themselves. Now, I'll have more on this in a few minutes' time, but uh, Troy owns six properties, of which, when you break them down, it comes out as 11 units and nine of the 11 units are rented and he gets state subsidies for those. So he's coming under an awful lot of pressure, even within Fianna Fáil last night because of this, uh, not declaring his full property interests. Um, I'm more concerned really with the fact that we have so many TDs with uh, property portfolios. Uh, how can that ever make a difference to our housing crisis when our politicians themselves are landlords and um, make rental income from renting properties to the public and also a lot of the time uh, receive rental income schemes. Um, so I, I, I get that, you know, they're entitled to have other interests in their lives. I don't, not disputing that. But as one Fianna Fáiler says in the paper this morning, flipping houses in the midst of a housing crisis absolutely stinks. Uh, the rules are quite straightforward as to how he didn't give it due diligence and read it properly. I have no idea. But the papers deal with it in quite some detail this morning. Like the star makes an interesting comparison. You've got the same old story with our politicians saying they're doing the best they can. When we hear of stories like this of a TD with 11 properties. Uh, and then they segue into uh, Bridget O'Donoghue, the mother of the late Santina Cawley, who was murdered uh, and now faces, her mom, her mam now faces homelessness with her children. It's a story in the Star today where Bridget, um, and we know, of course, of the brutal murder of her daughter in the hands of Karen Harrington in 2019. She says she faces the prospect of living on the streets in just two weeks' time. She's quoted in the Star this morning as saying, I'm trying to get a house. At the moment, I'm living with my mother, but my mother's moving out now in two weeks and is getting a one-bedroom apartment. She says, right now I'm here with my four kids in this tiny two-bedroom apartment and we're facing ending up out on the streets. Uh, so that's that's a real world example for you. Meanwhile, Troy says he has nothing to hide. Uh, well, it depends on what way you look at it if you don't fill in your forms properly. But we do know that almost 80 TDs and senators are landlords and property owners are both. So 80 of them uh, are landlords. And of course, the biggest property portfolio of them all is Michael Healy Ray. 
who disclosed that he has 18 properties for letting, as well as more than 100 acres of farmland. So he breaks it all down. On top of that, he's got a service station and a yard and all sorts of things like that. So he's the biggest uh, earner of the 80 TDs and senators who are land, landlords themselves. And if you want a little more focus as how bad it actually is for people, I don't know whether you saw that story yesterday of an estate agent who sought to charge house hunters a €2,000 deposit to get onto the priority waiting list. He wasn't long pulling back on that, saying he apologises and will never do it again. But he did say at the time, sending out emails to people looking for a house, we require you to pay a deposit of €2,000 to the auctioneers now. The properties will be allocated on a first-come, first-served basis. So a a €2,000 deposit just to get on a priority waiting list. I mean, housing now is like like turning into how and where do you sit on a plane, isn't it? You know, pay extra to get better seats or to get off faster or to be able to bring on more luggage. That is an horrific story. The horror of the death of this young uh, girl, Olivia Pratt Corbell, shot dead. These balaclava-clad gangsters uh, barging into her home in Liverpool, uh, being chased uh, by another character who then killed Olivia uh, and left her mother desperately, uh, well, initially desperately trying to shut the front door. Uh, when um, the uh, gangsters tried to get into the house. And then she was shot herself. Um, And her daughter, standing behind her, was shot in the chest and died at the age of nine. And as the headlines put it this morning, cut down by gang horror at bedtime. Uh, And everybody's been shocked by that story, not just uh, in Liverpool. Four armed thugs then that robbed that shop owner and tied her up and tied her kids. Well, Gardaí continue to try and find out who they are and where they are and arrest them or bring it to justice. This is the story we were talking about in Roscommon yesterday. Mind you, Una herself says that I forgive those people who did it. But she was back behind the counter of her mini market shop yesterday, serving customers despite the ordeal. She says, I'm Hoping. I forgive those people who did it. I hope it never happens to anybody else. She turns 94 on Monday. And uh, as we know, they tied her up. They tied up her sons. They were all bundled into one room and told to lie back and tie them up and do not move. They then ransacked the house, of course. They thought they'd get big money there because it was attached. The house was attached to the shop. An horrific story. Um, and it makes the papers this morning. Uh, also, one of the stories I dealt with yesterday on the air was long COVID. We had a couple of calls on that and how people are paralysed from it. I didn't know whether there was actually a long COVID clinic or not, but according to the examiner this morning, there has been one. It's a clinic in the Matter Hospital for patients with long COVID. Mind you, it might have to close next month unless they can get state funding secured. Um, And the paper says that they have about a thousand patients experiencing severe levels of fatigue, cognitive challenges, as they call them. They can't focus, they can't work, a lot of them can't get out of bed. So a long COVID clinic does exist. In other news, as we head into the US Open tennis, I don't know whether you watched uh, Wimbledon, but there was a woman ejected from a Nick Kyrgios match at Wimbledon because he accused her of being drunk. He said to the uh, umpire at one stage, she's had about 500 drinks, mate. Um, Apparently she says that she wasn't drunk. She only had a glass of Pims and maybe a glass of wine. But the heat was affecting her. Uh, She was thrown out. uh, I think she got back in later on. But she was escorted from centre court. She was affecting his game by shouting and cheering. She says she was only trying to support him. She is now suing Kyrgios, apparently, um, because she says that he has defamed her. 
um, and she's taking legal action for damages, which she says she will then donate to charity. In other news, the Rosa Trulio Care Course came to its conclusion last night and many, many people praising it. Others, of course, think that it should be got rid of, that it's outdated and it's old-fashioned. When did old-fashioned become uh, bad news in this wokey-dokey world we live in. People enjoy it and like to watch it or go to it. That's their own business. Why is there people out there who just want to cancel everything? But uh, Rosa Trulia makes many of the papers today in quite some detail and why not? And finally, when we talk about food fusions, I didn't get to mention this yesterday, but I did see it online. Food fusions. If you like a good old-fashioned uh, Irish breakfast uh, and you like a hash brown on it and you like beans next to it, couple of sausages, couple of rashers, maybe a couple of fried eggs, black pudding, white pudding, slice of tomato, toast, tea, whatever. Anyway, I digress. Um, so how would you fancy if the beans were inside the hash brown? Yeah, it's that kind of, I like the idea. I think it could really work. And apparently Iceland are rolling out beans filled hash browns to a store near you soon. I for one can't wait to taste them. Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. So where do you begin? A lot to do this morning, but I want to stay uh, because politicians as landlords are renting houses to local councils and claiming HAP and RAS payments from the state. Um, How can you stand up in the doll and talk about housing or a housing emergency and emergency crisis if you are a TD or indeed a senator who's a landlord renting properties and also claiming HAP from the state. I mean, it's hypocritical to say the least. So that was part of the problem for a lot of people with regards to Robert Troy. It's one thing not filling in your forms properly, but for me, it's about the fact that they're landlords at all uh, and also claiming state assistance as landlords and sitting TDs. Um, Yesterday at lunchtime, Robert Troy was on the news at one with uh, Brian Dobson. It's a, a lengthy interview. Didn't hear it. Okay. Here's a couple of minutes of it from yesterday. Ministers, what actually are your property interests and what, what have they been during this period since you were you became a TD? Currently, I have six properties uh, that I either own or part own. I have six prop- three properties that I own in my own name. One of those includes my constituency offices uh, and I have three other properties that I am, I am in a partnership arrangement with. Within those holdings, one of the properties is sublet into three units and another property uh, is sublet into four units. So in total, I have n- 11 properties at the moment, nine of which are, are, are rented out. The, the, the actual point I'd like to make here, Brian, there is an allegation or a charge that somehow I tried to conceal my interests from the public and that is factually incorrect. Mm. I admit not fully, I admit in certain instances not in the right location but I did not try to conceal any of my property interests uh, in the lifetime of this since I was elected well, to the Well, one of them you've admitted because you bought and sold in the same year never appeared anywhere. That, that is correct. Yeah, but so that was completely concealed. No, no, that was I did not try to conceal it. That was an error in my interpretation of the requirements. Did you, and, did you, read, the, did you read the Register of Members' interests before you signed it? I think, Brian, to be honest, I'm, I'm guilty that I didn't give 
the process, the due diligence that it deserved. And as a consequence of that, I didn't fully account for my interests. So you and, did, and, you and didn't read the document before you signed I, it, is I that right? I didn't give it the due diligence that it deserves. And I, I hold my hand up. I admit that. Uh, I got it wrong. And I can assure you and your listeners that that's not something see, that I'll do it, again. It couldn't be clearer. That under property, for example, it says, quote, the following interests shall be registrable. Any interest in land of yours which exceeded €13,000 at any time during the appropriate period, 1st January to 31st of December. I accept that. Um, I got it wrong. I'm not disputing that. So you didn't read that then? Is that what you're saying to us? What I'm saying to you today, Brian, and what I'm saying to your listeners is I got it very wrong. And how much have you been paid under RAS or the residential, uh, the rental assistance scheme? Um, 780 euros per month for a two bedroom uh, townhouse in Mullingar, and that equates to 9,360 euro. Uh, and that property is in joint name, so only 50% of that is uh, relevant to me. And when you've been availing of, of RAS, were you availing of that scheme when you spoke in the Dáil in relation to this, calling for increased funding for the scheme and looking for information about the uptake? Well, I think what we have to put in context is that debate that you refer to. That's 2014. It was a debate on the housing miscellaneous bill. And that bill, I took the opportunity to speak on a range of issues, the tenant purchase scheme, antisocial behaviour, mm. uh, domestic abuse. Well, let's stick to RAS. You were availing of RAS when you spoke in relation to the scheme in the Dáil in 2014. At that time, I had two RAS schemes, yes. Did you declare that interest at the time? But at the time, I didn't think I had to declare the RAS on the member's interest statement. Well, leaving that aside, just in, in the course of your <laughs> speaking to the law on this issue, did, did it occur to you that you should say, actually, I have an interest in this and, and this is my interest? Well, I, I don't think, to be frank, I can leave it aside because if I felt that it was uh, a conflict of interest, I would have I would have declared it. That's just some sections of yesterday's uh, interview. He said, um, uh, an error in my interpretation of the requirements and went on then to rattle off rental incomes for various properties. Bear in mind now, this is a junior minister who apparently has problems uh, reading documentation properly, uh, or at least that's what he's saying now. Uh, Billy Keller, MEP, asked for clarification yesterday and asked uh, Troy to come forward and to clarify his position. wonder if he's happy now because you can be sure those within Fianna Fáil who were quoted this morning, uh, or not named, mind you, but sources within Fianna Fáil, say that it stinks uh, and that you can't be flipping houses in the middle of a housing crisis Perhaps you shouldn't even be a landlord. And they're saying that Troy is actually finished. Billy Keller joins me by phone. Billy, good morning. morning, Have you got the clarification? Is it uh, nothing to see here? Move on now? No, I mean, I I asked for clarification because, I mean, we we want to know. I mean, housing is a very sensitive issue. It's the most important issue facing Ireland in in the immediate future. Families are struggling. It's uh, rents are escalating. So housing is not just an emotive issue. It is a practical reality facing families across the country every day of the week and huge increases in waiting lists uh, and the significant challenges just to find accommodation, even for students now arriving back into Cork, uh, huge difficulties. So every TD and public rep is very conscious of the issue of housing because we are dealing with so many queries on a continual basis. No, but I, 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 un- I understand you are. So, we're, so, we're all very so, aware so, of it, um, the alarming state so, of affairs here. But there is, yes. with regards to Robert I, Troy I now, um, you, you think that... Uh, He's clarified his position. I think you said he's clarified his position and he isn't trying to hide. Is that what you said? Yes, well, I mean, there was a number of factors. Uh, first and foremost, you would 
obviously not want anybody to be hiding assets. And I, I think in fairness, he dealt with that. He spoke very clearly that, you know, he never hid the assets that he had. He had declared them in previous years, and it was only in the year when he disposed of such an asset that he didn't declare it. So, um, you know, any property that he did own, he had previously included in his declaration year on year, up until the year he disposed of it. So that uh, I can accept, and that is something that, you know, showed that he was casual with his application and how he filled in the, his obligations on the members' interests. But I don't think there was anything devious in, it in terms of trying to hide the particular um, assets that uh, he but had. But is it devious uh, that, t- that TDs or politicians that represent us are landlords? I mean, he was rattling off rental income there for properties, nine rentals, and, and some of them, yes, of he's course, claiming money from the state for HAP. Yes, but I mean, of course, that, that is a completely separate issue. And of course, that goes to the heart of whether or not people think they should be landlords at all, be they a TD or not. So, I mean, that's an ideological debate. Landlords are a part and parcel of everyday life in terms of accommodation in Ireland. Landlords, you have professional landlords and you have accident landlords. Uh, And many people are accident landlords. They bought a property, inherited a property. And some people are professional landlords. Uh, And there is a role for all of them. No, but that's not, I know that, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. That's not the point I'm making. I mean, he could be a professional landlord with, no, but but what I says, how can they rule or pass laws that benefit Irish society, certainly in a housing crisis, or the incredibly high rents that people are paying when they have skin in the game as landlords themselves? All they'll want to as landlords is to keep things remaining at status quo. Yeah, but that's why the member's interest is there. So people declare in an open, frank manner their interest. So if you have um, assets, you declare them. If you have um, directorships, if you have shares, if you have land, anything at all. So you declare them so the public can see exactly what you have. But, I mean, the idea that a TD, uh, you know, must dispose of all their assets in the event that they're becoming a TD, you know, it just doesn't make sense being truthful. I mean, if a person has two or three properties or one property and they're renting it and they're elected to Dolairn, you're saying that they should dispose of that asset? Well, I'm I'm saying that there's 80 of them between the Dáil and the Shannad who are landlords. And obviously wouldn't wish anything to... They wouldn't want a cap on rents. They wouldn't want uh, reductions in rents. I mean, even Troy, even Troy at one stage, right? Even Troy at one stage stood up in the Dáil looking for more funding for rental accommodation schemes. Um, and he himself wanted I, more funding I, because he himself a is a landlord. When I was a TD, I spoke on many, many issues. Uh, I spoke on agricultural issues. I spoke on education issues. I spoke on a myriad of issues. Um, it, it, I, I was originally born on the farm, so if, I, if I'm speaking on agricultural issues, very often I would speak on them. Would I declare that I actually have a, a farm? Well, you, you might at some time think I am farming, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are uh, significantly advocating for yourself as an individual what a, rather than for the public good. Yeah, well, you, mean, you, you are, you, you are a landlord with a rental property in Glanmire. You also declare farm income of nearly a quarter of a million a year. I'm not suggesting oh, no, there's anything no, no, no. wrong with any of that, but <laughs> you're... Is, <laughs> just because a quarter of a million of 25,000 a year, it's just a, a zero push. You want to get that corrected because on, online and in newspapers it's widely quoted as a quarter of a million. I can't do anything about it. It, 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 it was actually a mistake. It, it, it very simply happened. In, in Brussels, in the European Parliament, they look on income on, a, on a, a monthly basis. I was asked to declare what incomes I have and when I declared it, I declared it because in Ireland we declare it on an annual basis. So I declared, I think it was 24,000 euros 
per year income other than my uh, MEP salary. And of course, they multiply that by 12. So it became a quarter of a million. Gotcha. That's okay, exactly well, it's important happened. to clarify that, but it doesn't take from the I've 80 tried, TDs. I've, I've, tried to clarify, I've tried to clarify it on, on Bean Time, but it's now out there on the internet and social media that there's nothing I can do about it, other than the fact my members' interests are declared here in the European Parliament. That's that's where I've rectified it. Yeah. But just on the. But on it the stinks. I mean, it does stink from people watching this story unfold that those that are in power in the legislature are landlords themselves while others are being asked to pay 16, 17, 1800 a month for a three bedroom semi in Cork. It just, you, you, like, you can't yes, hide I, from that. But Optically, but it looks yes, shocking. I'm not disputing any of that. I said at the very outset, it is a very motive issue. It is not just a motive issue, it's a real harsh reality for many people that they can't find accommodation. Now, the concern I would have if a, if a, a TD was inside in the doll and they're trying to ensure that, you know, in, um, that rent would stay high uh, for the foreseeable future, so they would diminish the amount of houses being built, they would reduce the, the, the investment in, in public housing, that would be a clear and uh, unbelievable conflict of interest. But if a TD goes in to advocate for more social support for people who are struggling to find housing, that certainly is not a direct conflict of interest. Well, what if it benefits like them would, with more money in their pocket, same. though? But that would be that would be the same Neil, as a doctor inside in Dalairn advocating for more support for people who may be on medical cards, for example, who also may be uh, have has have a practice where medical card holders are, are going to. So I mean, like we just have to keep things real here. I mean, if if a TD was in the doll and they were advocating it for themselves specifically, or they were voting and passing legislation to have a direct impact on their own income. That would be a fundamental breach of trust and would be a resigning issue. But if a TV goes in to advocate on behalf of constituents, on behalf of a policy, well, you know, I, I think you have to give people the benefit of the doubt as long as all the interests are declared in the members' interests. And, and, and when they're not, and when they're not, and maybe you're saying the most that he could be accused of is not being able to read a document properly. Uh, in the UK, if this were to happen in, in the House of Commons, he'd be gone by now, wouldn't he? Well, in the UK, let's be honest, I mean, there was a Prime Minister who uh, certainly was very economic with the troops, and he stayed around for quite some time. So, you know, uh, I don't think the UK and, and the House of Commons is always the place where the high standards are always maintained. Uh, we, we should deal with and benchmark our own selves from uh, on our own ethics and, and morality. Uh, I believe Robert Troy was uh, casual, uh, was filling in his applications for his obligations under the members' interests. He accepted that. I equally believe that if a person is a landlord, be they a TD or uh, any other citizen, they're obliged under various obligations of law to declare their interest in their resident or to register with the Residential Tenancy Board and if you're a public representative, to register with the standards and public. Uh, yeah, maybe one or two, but if you have TDs the likes of him who have nine rental properties, I mean, that's a lot of money. No, that's a huge income. It is, it is, it That's is a professional like, landlord. Like. Yes, but but there are professional landlords. Some one or two of them are TDs. Some of TDs are accident landlords. I'm very much an accident landlord. I, I wish somebody could come down and take the property off me, being quite truthful. Uh, but it, it would be at a significant uh, loss at the moment. So, and I'm accident. So, but should I be should I be obliged to sell that property? if I become a TD or not let it out anymore. Well, at the very least, declare all of them. But even in the event of you declaring all of them, it's about, it's about, it's about forming policy 
at government level with regards to housing, with regards to rental costs, with regards to yes. supply and demand. Um, I mean, I've made that point on a number of occasions. What I do believe, what I do believe, Lisa, I don't believe that a TD, when they're elected to Dáil should be debarred from speaking on issues just because they actually may have a specific... But it shines a light on TDs and senators who are landlords and are made, the higher the rent goes in Ireland the more out of control it goes in Ireland the more our TD landlords benefit from it and the public will find that hard to digest Yes but, but, but Neil that would be and I accept that but I mean like at the same time when governments uh, uh, and this particular government of which uh, Robert Troy is a TD that supports it also Minister of State now are trying to bring forward policies to try and ensure rents don't escalate are they succeeding as quickly as you like? Clearly not. But, but this could be the reason why. To try and make sure there's more public housing coming on stream, more support for, for tenants coming on stream, uh, and more various social housing projects coming on stream. All of these things are being done to try and mitigate the inflationary pressure in the housing market, both for those who are trying to buy and for those who are trying to rent. And in fairness, I don't believe that Robert Troy's contribution in the doll in 2014 was to try and increase it so that he could materially, uh, personally benefit. He was speaking about many issues to do with housing, as TDs do on a regular basis. There are many teachers inside in Dáil Éireann. There are many doctors inside in Dáil Éireann. There are many millionaires in, there are many millionaires in Dáil Éireann. Can I just mention that? The Irish Independent in September of last year listed them, Michal Martin. Uh, Simon Coveney, Michael Creed, Michael Moynihan, Colin Burke, Michael Collins, David Stanton, Michael McGrath, Sean Sherlock, all millionaires when you total their um, value, including property, land and pensions. Like Michal Martin is said to have a total value of 3.1 million. You, you don't make that list, incidentally. But millionaires in Dáil Éireann making policy for people who'll never be millionaires, uh, does, does that make sense to you? I mean, Dáil Éireann is... Uh is elected by the people of Ireland. I mean, it is they send the members to Dáil Éireann. I mean, you know, just because you are a person that may have a house that's very valuable, or you may have land that's very valuable, you may may have income that's very high, doesn't mean that you cannot and do not articulate for people. So, But then none of those would really be living in the real world, would they? If Michal Martin is a total value of 3.1 million, of which... Two million is his pension pot. Like, he's never going to be going around checking the prices of things in a supermarket or the cost of a fortnight's holiday in Salou. You know what I mean? It's not real world thinking. Well, look, I would like to believe that the vast majority of TDs inside and Dolly are there for all the right reasons. Um, they come from various backgrounds. It is a representative democracy. There will be people who are very affluent inside and Dolly and there are people who will not be and they will be depending solely and fully on their doll income. That is a reflective democracy. I do not believe that just because you have a particular view on something, or you have an asset, or you have no asset, that you can't express views. That is the purpose of our democracy, so TDs can go in and articulate and advocate on behalf of a constituent, a constituency, or on behalf of a policy. But do they deserve pension pots like that? Should Michal Martin have a 2 million euro pension pot? For that matter, should Simon Coveney have a 1.6 million euro pension pot? Paid for by the state. No, I know what it is. We all know what pensions are. It's the size of them. But it's not a lump sum that they have that that's sitting there. Uh, They have to live to draw that down over... As as we all do, but we contribute ourselves to it. They don't. 
You know what I mean. It's a different system within the public yeah, sector yeah, and it's look, even different again but, within but, politics. But, but, like, look, there is very generous pensions uh, for, 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 for um, uh, TDs and for senators and particularly for ministers and, and, uh, and teaching and former teaching. Yes, I accept all that. But the point is, you are saying at, at the outset of this conversation was that if you have a specific interest in something, that that debars you from speaking. No, I, I, and it's, shining, it's shining a light on what sounds very, very little cosy arrangement within Dáil Éireann. And maybe for the, you know, maybe yet again people are saying why we're in such a shambles when it comes to health and to housing and to rental. Three things that really matter. Yeah, well, I mean, the housing is the ho- yeah, but the housing issue, Neil, I mean, I, I would be livid with any deputy if they were inside in Dáil Éireann and they were specifically trying to delay legislation, delay policies, obstruct housing development so that property values would stay high. I would be livid uh, with that. But I do not believe that the vast majority of TDs in Biden Dollar are anything other than wanting to address what is the most fundamental catastrophic failure of Irish policy in recent years. And I include all governments on that in the area of housing. We now have a situation where um, when I, up until 2007, 63% of less than 40-year-olds were involved in home ownership. That number has now fallen, okay. each cohort, has now fallen to less than 30%, 28% of the people under the age of 40 are involved in home ownership. Okay, but what that are you doing about that? What, what are you as an MEP doing about that? I mean, you draw a salary of 105,000, you claim 320 euro for every day you attend the European Parliament, you have 54 grand a year for office expenses and 300,000 for staff. I mean, that's a fair wedge. What are you doing to improve it? Well, I'd like to think that I, I do represent uh, uh, my constituency, uh, Ireland, over here in Europe. I advocate quite strongly on very, very, very important issues. I mean, I have ad- actually advocated on the whole issue of housing. I've made this point consistently, not just in terms of media, media in- interventions, but in terms of policy and the European Parliament, that we do have to allow flexibility with member states to be able to increase budgets to uh, invest in housing, in housing stock and in public housing, for example. And that will be a key issue and a significant challenge because countries can't just spend uh, money wherever they like because there's obligations in the how much money they are and budget deficits and how they run all of these things uh, year in, year out. And they have to seek permission from Europe. And I've made this specific case around the issue of housing and infrastructure and the need for us to be able to invest in the future. Nobody that's listening to you if that's Ireland the case, though, Billy. Other countries. Well, actually, that's not true here. That's not true because there is a review going on as I speak around the stability and growth pact and around the budget deficits that countries are allowed to run. And, you know, I'd like to think that my voice, little as it may be out here among 700, was actually taken into account in some way around that specific issue, which might be very, uh, you know, far removed in the macroeconomic, but will have profound implications on whether Ireland can invest in housing stock, in health, in education, in the years ahead. And I have uh, been involved in starting that debate here in the European Parliament, which is now part of an ongoing review with the Commission and the Member States. Okay. So that's right. just one issue. Okay, so, thank you. I don't think I do something else here, Neil. Thanks for taking the call, Billy Kelleher, MEP. Let's get the thoughts of the people of Cork on this conversation and the bigger picture regarding uh, landlords in the Dáil. Billy Kelleher, thanks so much. Lines open on 0818104106. You can text 0868104106. What are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Don't know whether people would actually stop short of saying that no TD or no senator should be a landlord full stop. I mean, that probably is a, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what we need, but politicians and as landlords 
renting houses to local councils and then claiming HAP as well from the state. Where do you stand on that? Text 0868104106. Noreen, good morning. Hi. Um, I was just speak, speaking there just while you were on with Troy. Um, um, my idea is and it's just like throwing apples into an orchard. Cozy little arrangement. And, and when you talk of apples into orchards, they don't want to, they don't want to upset the apple cart. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can declare. Anyone can declare, but it doesn't mean that they're above board in anything. You, you make the point, actually, in your text that it's landlords that set the agenda for housing and rental prices. Landlords. Yeah, well, the councils have gone for years. Like, I came home from England in 1989. I lived with my mother and father in a two-up, two-down cottage. Um, I had my son, and we were on a housing list. We did get housing because housing was available then. It only took three to three to four months, roughly. We came home in April, mm. and by the, the by the just around the end of the summer, three to four months, we had a house in our local area. A, pro- a council property. A council property, but built by a, a property developer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, there were different times to now. Yes, but why should they be so different that a person doesn't have a house now? Because, by and large, councils stopped building housing estates. Oh, yes, I, I know that. But that why wasn't there government funding to councils then to continue building? Because a lot of things just got privatised. It seemed to be the way to go at the time. And that's why things got completely out of control. That's capitalism. But then things happened in England too and they had to be reversed. It's a bit like the water. The water the water uh, was privatised. It will come back that it will have to be um, council owned again. Yeah. All these things will have to reverse. They'll see where their problems are that, and it will come back. Like, the tar- like they say, the wheel is always turning. Does, you this, know? does this shine any light on things for you with regards to the, maybe the hypocrisy of how our doll works? Well, you see, I live. I was born in England, originally, and I came home with my parents in six, at six years of age. And we lived in my grandfather's house, and we were offered a house in the north side of the city, which my parents refused to to take. My dad didn't got a job, and he bought a house then in 1969. For £9,000, it was only a cottage, but it was our home. Okay. And why did he refuse a house on the north side? Was there a specific reason He just for that? didn't want to live on, on the north side. He, okay. he came from the country, the okay. same as myself now where I live in the country. Okay. You know, people right. okay. should have choices, you know. Like like you see there, there's people in rural in Kerry. They can't get planning permission for their, their children that have grown up on their land, on their farms, to build houses. And all the, all the summer houses have taken over. Let me get some more calls on the air. Appreciate your contribution. John, good morning. Morning, Ian. You want to pick up on my conversation with, uh, just in general or with Billy Kelleher? Go ahead. Just in the hypocrisy of yourself. Right. Is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a bit stomach-toning, really. Why? The fact of the matter is that landlords are business people, the same as shop owners or garage owners or whatever it is. If you have, if you have a cow or if you're hungry, you can't go into Tesco's or you can't go into Blackpool and fill up your car for nothing because you can't afford to have a car. The same is with your house. If you can't afford a house, it's not my responsibility to provide you with a house. That's the government's responsibility. 
but yet they screw the whole thing up by bringing out rules and regulations. If the people don't want to operate under that system, they'll sell up and they'll move out. And they'll, they'll sell up their house and they won't rent it. It's as simple as that. I know, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about, private, la- if you're talking about the, private landlords, that's, that's a different yeah. issue entirely. What's the different issue about it? Because you're, you're a landlord, aren't you? Yes. Okay, and you're entitled to have a property to rent. Absolutely, because you're, well, paying, you're paying tax rent, on it to I, the state. I, I, I pay 52 pence in every yeah. year I, 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 I help. Yeah, but you're not, you're not a politician above in Dáil Éireann with nine rental properties and incapable of filling in your, your, um, your conflict of interest Pay, um, documents. No, no, because I, I claim, and claiming, and claiming, and claiming. My, my, my IQ would be too high. I wouldn't be thick enough to qualify to be a. So this isn't an issue about you or landlords. I mean, unless you want to talk I mean, about the amount of rent that landlords you, are charging. You, the amount of rent they're charging is obviously not enough to make the proposition attractive. That's why they're leaving. Because yeah. That's why they're leaving because they, when you take the tax. And the RTB and every other, every other, every other imposition that's put upon you, there's nothing left. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's as simple as that. If 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 centre shops and super value and mayor shops were closing down at the same rate as people are closing down or getting out of the, the rental market. Yeah, but somebody says, I bet you you'll never find a politician who failed to fill in their expenses properly, but yet he fails to fill in the documentation. It's not so much that he's a... That he's a, well, a, a, not, a I, have, I have no sympathy for this guy. There, a lot of them are morons. But all of those, I have no problem with that. Yeah. And when the next crowd, when the next crowd get in, anybody with any few pounds at all will leave the country. The, are you referring to because Sinn Féin, is it? Yeah, when they get in, they'll crash the country into the wall. They'll have a great time themselves for four years or five years, whatever the length is. But after that, the country will be right. No, I'm not too... You were making the point in your text that I'm trying to turn landlords into pariahs. I'm not. I'm talking about those that represent well, us in the doll. He's got well, 11 I, I, He's got eleven properties on the books. What? But the way you say that, he has 11 properties. What's wrong with having it? What's wrong with having 111 Because, because he's, a, he's a TD, he's a junior minister, he's renting okay, some of them so to local councils, okay. he's claiming HAP and oh, Ross payments not, from the state. I'm, I'm, he's not claiming it. It's the tenants that are getting the money. Yeah, to pay him. Yes, yeah. to pay him their rent. Yes. The same as if he owned a petrol station, he'd be, having, he'd be selling petrol to you, me and Joe Blanc. And he'd be making a profit out of that. Or if he had a centre shop, or if he had whatever he has. Okay, okay, all right. If okay. he has a farm, if he has a farm, he's entitled to whatever benefits accrue with land. And, and, and you think that politicians who are landlords will be able to deal with the housing and a rental crisis well, in this even, country? Even, I, I think the politicians of this country couldn't organise a piss up in the brewery. All right. But that's neither here nor there. I have no confidence in any of them. But the point I'm trying to make here is. The politicians, they see, just take, for example, the latest cock up, the school buses. Someone comes up with a wheeze, oh, we'll take the price, we'll, we'll give the school bus for free. Nobody looked into the, into the future and said, look, well, geez, if we do this now, there's going to be a huge amount of people that buy for us mm. because it's free, obviously, mm. and there's no school buses now for people. Mm, there won't be enough. The people there. So, like, they have no, they, 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 the organisation, it's pathetic. Okay, all right. The same, with, the, same, the, same, the same with the planning laws. Long boy, you could go buy a half acre off a farm on the side of the road, go and build a house, 
sell your house in time in the city. No problem. Somebody, now, yeah. with, with ethnic cleansing, you have to be from the local area, blah, 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 and you can't get, you can't get funding. Somebody sent me a video this morning of a housing estate in and around Gary Duff down Rochestown Way. Um, I don't know how many houses, but it seems like a, a whole estate of them. Um, pretty much finished, but derelict and just sitting there. Just sitting there. Yeah. I don't know, does a bank own them? Did the property developer put them on hold? Well, regardless, well, regardless of who owns them, somebody bought and paid for those. And that is their entitlement to leave them out if what? they want to. No, this because is a ho- this is a housing estate. These are perfectly good three and four bedroom semi. I couldn't, I couldn't tell us what is. They obviously have a they obviously have a business model which suggests that's the best way to deal with their assets, and that's what they want to, to do. To let them sit and there empty, their, unoccupied. Yes, that is their entitlement. It's their property. Your house down in Kelly is unoccupied for the most of the year. But it's a it's a house that's lived in. I'm talking about a housing estate where families could live. How could you say that's a good idea? Because it's private property. It was government property. Okay. If the city council owned it, okay. I'd be jumping up and down. Why did they build it and why don't they occupy it? Happy days. But when it's private property, you should do what you like with your own property. Okay, all I right. Don't tell you, I don't tell you what to do. And you'll have people come on now in a minute and say, oh, that guy's a bit of a nut job. But absolutely not. Okay. You're entitled, and the, the Constitution says, you're entitled to private property. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, appreciate you. Texting and coming on air, your contribution's always welcome. Get involved yourself. Text 0868104106. Yeah, one of the texts there says Troy didn't forget about his expenses that he's entitled to. Did he offer up any of the properties to house Ukrainians for free? He should be booted out and made an example of so that the rest of them might realise that they are no longer untouchable. It's easy for them to have so many properties with the money they're earning in the first place. If Minister Troy is as naive and incompetent as he himself claims, should he really be in any kind of position of power, says Paddy? Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. He texts 0868104106. Does he think the public are stupid or what? Surely landlords are accountable to revenue through an accountant annually. How could that be missed by an accountant? Subletting is possibly widespread. The best, best excuse he gave was that the property was bought and sold in the same year. Uh, what about the gains on it in that same year? How much tax does he owe? on that amount. Ask Billy Kelleher what he thinks of Dara O'Brien saying that Troy is open and honest. Are they all in cuckoo land or what? They are a disgrace. Uh, Somebody else says, he made a mistake, leave him alone, he's only a politician, should God love him. Tongue in cheek, I'd say. Uh, I'm convinced that there are more affordable houses being built now than private homes. At this stage, I feel it's like the first time buyers are funding the affordable houses. How many pre-approved mortgage holders are there in Cork? Apparently, there were 5,000 pre-approved in Munster last year. It's bound to be higher this year. Why aren't they building houses for them, as opposed to building houses for freeloaders? Property in Ireland has been rotten for 20 years. The poor first-time buyers have to fork out so much for a house. It's just not fair. Morning, says Bobby. Can you hear Fianna Fall drawing up the drawbridge? Billy was all questions yesterday. They're just scared of the shinners and scared for to rock the boat. You saw that at Bail na Blaw. It was a Sinn Féin bashing exercise. Funny, really, because Michael Collins was a Sinn Féiner. But they'll circle the waggles as u- wagons as usual. At most, Troy will have to give up his junior ministry. It's all about votes to keep the paychecks rolling in and the cabal with its hand in the till. It's time to abandon the parties that have abandoned us. Time to wave goodbye to the parties that left a 74-year-old 80 hours on a trolley. 
It makes me sick, says Bobby. Um, it's sinful near to hear, hear the amount of money that you're quoting with regards to pensions, salary and expenses of politicians. Well, maybe sinful, but it's accurate. Uh, Kelleher, Kelleher praises his work in Europe. I'd love to read all the great things they do when all they ever do is what Europe tells us to do. We have very faint voices in Europe in spite of all the representation we have out there. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. We got calls, texts and emails on lots of different topics between now and midday. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Seems not everybody is a fan of the Rosa Tralee. I say live and let live. If anybody's ever been down there, I was talking to a pal of mine yesterday. I met him down in Douglas and he went to the Rosa Tralee. I think uh, it was there at the weekend. Uh, Ten of them went down on on a minibus and they had the greatest night of their life down there. If you've ever been to it, it's a lot of fun. Meanwhile, Pat says the Rosa Tralee is outdated it's sexist and proves women only use the sexist card when it suits them. It's a gone bean show. It's past its sell-by date years ago, and it makes us look like a laughing stock. The Cork Jazz Festival will be far better on television and not a bit degrading, sissy. And somebody else says, I would rather watch slugs going shopping than watch the Rosa Tralee. It's an idiotic show like Father Ted's Lovely Girls competition. The only thing I can say about that is you don't have to watch it. And for those that go or those that watch it, leave them off. You know, it's not hurting you. Just don't watch it. Uh, on a serious level then, with regards to our health system and the A&D uh, and our conversation with Brendan regarding his mother, uh, sorry to hear about that poor woman who waited so long for a bed in the CUH. I don't really understand why people are shocked that this is happening. This year alone, I've been through A&D at least eight times. Before you ask, it's an issue that my doctor isn't equipped to deal with. There was one day in the A&D when the nurses were so overrun throughout the whole department. There was a 22-hour wait for a doctor to come anywhere near you. All because, uh, uh, all because it was quiet by 1pm and the doctor on the shift decided to go home. It left the poor nurses up the walls. The whole health system in this country has been a mess for years, maybe even decades, to be honest. And ever since COVID, it seems every GP surgeries have an excuse for lack of services. Actually, that's an interesting point because I did see somebody texting this morning saying that they were at um, the uh, motor tax office at the, on, on the Model Farm Road and it's still closed to the public. And I asked the question, why is that in this day and age? I, I honestly don't know why all public offices aren't open again. I don't know. Tech said, I was in the motor tax office yesterday. It's still closed to the public. These people are answerable to no one, it seems. Um, more and more people, of course, are doing it online, but not everybody. Some people still like to go out and physically do it and queue up to the counter and do their business. Um, my daughter had an emergency two weeks ago. South Dock Centre, straight to A&D. She was in horrendous pain and vomiting. It was nine hours before she saw a doctor in horrendous pain and vomiting for the period. The nurses couldn't give her pain relief until the doctor saw her. It turns out she had to have life-saving surgery. Another few hours and she could have died. Once she was in the ward, staff were very good, but the A&D is third world and a total disgrace. Uh, when does our healthcare system become too dangerous to actually be a patient in it? They're under so much pressure and are trying so hard to keep it running that mistakes are being made 
and lives endangered inside the hospital. It sounds very dramatic, but it is happening. My mother-in-law went to the CUH with a broken thigh bone after a fall. While in hospital, eight weeks so far, she has contact contracted in hospital. COVID, sepsis, infections, pneumonia, has been dehydrated and is now delirious. It's unbelievable that this carry-on is allowed to continue. It's very upsetting for families and patients that require answers, but nobody seems to know anything. The handovers of staff and shifts are a joke. The night staff are mostly unaware and ill-informed on the patients that they take over. It looks like the ship is going down, its captain is long gone, and the crew are left to stop it from sinking completely. I'm not blaming healthcare workers or doctors, it's ministerial, it's hospital management, mismanagement more likely, that creates this mess that our health service is in. Rant over. Well, it's a very to-the-point rant, to be quite honest with you, and quite alarming uh, that your mother-in-law go in with a broken thigh bone uh, and while in there get COVID, sepsis, infections, pneumonia, dehydration and delirium. You would think she would have been better off staying at home. I know that that wouldn't work because the thigh bone had to be treated. It was broken after all. But get out of there as fast as you can. Anyway, text 0868104106. Just with regards to landlords, uh, sorry, TDs or indeed senators or MEPs or whatever, being landlords, having skin in the game themselves. I just want to get, um, you know, th- I wonder if, if all of this actually came about because the standards in public office um, did, um, you know, a spot check or do they check everybody? Pat Buckley, Sinn Féin TD for East Cork joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Were you inspected? Good morning, Neil. I was inspected uh, in, back in 2016. Okay, because were you a landlord? Is that why they were looking or did they just look at all no, your interests? Absolutely. No, absolutely not. Uh, what it is basically every public rep, i.e. TD, uh, is, I suppose, subject to uh, a site Are- uh, investigation. Basically, how it works, it's very strict. It works on a lotto system. It's a random, so is it? Yes, very, very random, but very, very. It's a very technical, automated, mathematical system that they use. It's so complicated. It's trying to make it fair that, like, you can be audited every year. It's just to look at the lottery. That's what it is. Okay, okay. And so they take a percentage of TDs every year, and, and they're audited. And that's how it works. So they went through you like a t- with a fine tooth comb, did they? Absolutely. I have to say, extremely thorough. Um, but also extremely cooperative, you know, and you can engage with them and ask the questions and you learn as well. Okay. But okay. I mean, as I said, since I got elected as a rep, you want to make sure that everything is absolutely, you know, you tick every box. And okay. Is, and with regards to, say, a housing crisis and a rental crisis, uh, you know, those in the private sector say, if you guys get in, you'll do absolutely wreck to anybody with a few bob. But just looking at, at TDs, 80 of them are landlords in the doll. Does that make sense to you, particularly in the middle of a housing and rental crisis? Uh, to be honest, no, Neil. No, it does not. I mean, surely um, there's a possibility of a conflict of interest there. I don't know what circumstances other TDs have. I certainly don't have any rental properties anywhere I can tell you that. Yeah. But you're on a fairly good deal, aren't you? You've got a good salary. You've got great expenses. You even get mileage and travel and you get accommodation expense. You get all sorts of things in life that everybody else does not have any entitlement to, including a fairly funky pension pot. Life is well, good for politicians, isn't it? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you straight out, and you know me of old, right? And I'm always straight front, up front. Um, I can tell you, I think there's been roughly at least seven, eight uh, wage increases for TDs since I got elected. Yeah. 
back in 16. We haven't taken any of them. Okay? You don't uh, draw it down, is it? No, 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 we don't. It, you, you sign the declaration, you give it back to the state. Right. So mm. that's that one out anyway. Secondly, um, I have a mortgage and I still have to pay that. I don't class myself as an entitlement of because I'm a TD. I am very privileged to be a TD, but I've always had a hard-working ethic, even when I was in construction and stuff. The expenses you're paid, a set amount of expenses, you spend over that, it will come out of your wages. And when people hear of expenses, they think that you can come back the expenses, you don't. That's how it works. Mm. The pension I've actually never looked into. I haven't, you know, I, I, uh, I, I don't want to look that too far ahead. But you, I mean, <laughs> you, you were making the point uh, before you came on air that there have been many occasions when you have to go to the doll but have nowhere to stay. Is that right? Yeah, that happened a number of years ago. Um, before I suppose when hotels started getting scarce, I suppose, and you, you know, you you collect your diary set out for the week, so you have a fair idea, you know, what day or what evening you're going to finish up. But sometimes something comes up, and there's an extra committee, and you have to stay an extra night. And then you go looking for availability in hotels and stuff, and they're not there. And I spoke to one of your lads there while ago, and I said, I, I remember actually one night going down to uh, a hostel in beside Pear Street, Garda Station. It was, you know, and that was the only bed that was available for the night. What was that like? Um, I, I put it this way you could practically wipe your feet going out the door. The sink was so small in the corner, I nearly bust my forehead off the wall. I got putting my head down to wash my face in the morning. So what, I, what, I wouldn't say it was the lap of luxury, but yeah. I mean, yeah. So, how would you think people feel when they're when they're put in there by the state to rear and mine small children with them into a hostel like Absol- you stated? It's absolutely shocking. The system is absolutely disgraceful. This has gone on for years and years. I mean, we, we remember going back to sixties and seventies, and there was no money. The council were building houses. It should go back to the local authority. I remember when I was on Cork County Council, I think, back in... It was around 2011-2012, I think we had... I can't think the exact figure now, but I think it was around 22 million euros worth of land, Cork County, that was designated for housing. Apparently so many millions of that wasn't... The land wasn't even suitable. So the land was there. But the political will wasn't there. Going to be talking to a chap after the break who's living. Uh, he's a chef actually. He lost his job because he became homeless, and he's staying in a tent out in uh, uh, out the Mardike. Absolutely crazy in this day and age. And I mean, the services that are there, the voluntary services, are actually stretched to the limit. Uh, I'm here in my office now, and it's housing, 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 uh, evictions, termination notices, and I fear that it's going to get worse. I did see, all right, the Cork Chamber of Commerce did talk about doing the Austrian model of housing. We've looked at it in the Portuguese. What is that? It's like, it's like a huge, it's like, basically the Austrian one is like a communal village. Like, I give Dublin as the example. It's a commuter city. Like, people from outside can kill their mead and whatever, travelling every day. It's something similar to that kind of a model that is a massive communal village. But everything is index linked when it comes to cost for renting the apartments. You have doctors on site, you have your schools on site, you have your sports on site. Who builds this? It's the corporation, it's the councils. And on top of that... Like they build an independent mini town adjacent to the city, yes. accessible to the yeah. city. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, that, what are the rents then? Can cost. you buy them or do you rent the properties? No, they're in, they're in for life, but at peppercorn rates. Yeah. And once you stick to the rules and then they're constantly uh, adding on to that. So, you know, as families get older... And if they want to live around in the same area, 
that, you know, the next phase of building complements that. And it's just a constant rotor. But it's all cost. I wouldn't say cost neutral to the councils there now, but it's cost practically cost neutral. You'll never own it, but you'll never be homeless. Mm, okay, okay. And you'll never be broke. Yeah, because the solution at the moment seems to be financial institutions offering 50-year mortgages now. 50. No, we, we'd be like, Neil, we, we're going to be like China if we keep going like this. It'll be three generations paying for the one house. That's what's going to happen. That's not a solution, I mean, no? No, I'm in fear as it is. I mean, the guy too, well, they're in their 20s now. But I, I, I can't see them getting on the property ladder at any stage at the moment. And, you know, our vision in this is to kind of look forward and say maybe in 10 years' time, hopefully, please, God, I'll be able to turn back and say, do you know what, I'm glad I stuck with what I was at. And this is a better country. There's a better thing because at the moment, and it's an awful thing to say, like, but we are, because I've been speaking to student nurses that are in their final year five from there a couple of weeks ago, and they said, I asked them, you know, what are you going to do when you qualify? Immigrate. So we're breeding kids for immigration at the moment. And that's a bad way when, you know, we can't keep our own children in our own country. Okay. It's not. It's not a great sign. Pat Buckley, thanks for taking the call. Text 0868104106. You never address the elephant in the room. The health system is broken. Come on, give me a break. I do address that. Health system is broken. No accommodation. No future for young people. Just what Pat Buckley saying. They're on terrible wages, extortionate rent, and they are immigrating. Now, why do you think the UK got out of Europe? They did it too late, but they're trying to salvage something out of the country it once was. And I, for one, says a texter, admire them for that. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Hi, Paul. Hi, yeah. How are you doing? It's Neil at Red FM. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. I hear you're going through a bit of a bad time at the moment, are you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, within the past, I'd say two to three months anyway. Uh, you've been? Have you been in the tent that long, or what have you been doing since you uh, were made homeless? Well, I was trying to just you know, stay in around town, get no shelter I could, like. But um, it's just not working out in town. I I got jumped a couple of times, and I can't have that with my epilepsy. You see. When this you is say, making everything worse when you say get, I'm currently sleeping out in the tent out by the leaf fields and when you were inside in town were you in a, down a laneway or were you in a doorway or, or where were you kept changing all the time to be honest because every time I went somewhere someone would come up to me that that may have been on drugs or something like that and I just personally didn't want to be around that kind of stuff and when you say they used to jump you were they trying to rob you or beat you up or did they yeah that that's actually like this this phone number you've rang actually isn't even my phone number I had to borrow someone's phone that I know because um, my phone got robbed about two weeks ago I got jumped out, out by Fitzgerald's Park by a bunch of characters was it? yeah they yeah I don't want to be saying too much about them no but well just in case the upshot to it is you didn't feel safe anymore in the city because there was too many people jumping you, trying to rob you um, off their faces on different substances, right? Yeah, that 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 was exactly it. But how did it how did it lead to that? How did you lose where you were living? So I was I was living in an apartment on my own, and the lease was coming up, and I I chatted to the landlord about the lease, and he was all ahead for longing the lease stuff like that but when it came to the day then of longing the lease he 
he basically said no to me and kind of just made me leave. Did you get any notice? I got, how long? I think it was like a two-day notice. That's got to be, yeah, be illegal, man, you know? You see, I went to City Hall. I went to Threshold. I've been to a couple of TDs, and I'm just, I'm, I just can't seem to get help. Like, what did Threshold say to you regarding you being turfed out because the lease wasn't renewed? Did they say that that was legal? They said it was legal because whatever way he done it, he seemed to have waited for the lease to come up. Because, uh, it wasn't legal because the lease was already up. You see. Yeah, but I'm just. But, you, you have to give notice to quit, you know. I was a chef as well in um, in a restaurant in town. I I informed them that I was of my of my position of me being homeless, and um, they said that they'd have to leave me go because there wasn't a valid address for any of my letters for work or um, stuff like that to go to or any checks or anything. They couldn't have a valid address. But you, they could hand you the cheque at work. They could put the money in your bank account, for I mean, God's sake. Do they not realise exact- that they were putting another that's nail exactly in your coffin? That's exactly what they were doing. That's exactly what they were doing the whole time. Did they not wish to help you when you found that you were homeless rather than firing you, man? No, and honestly, like, I, I, I don't know what I mean. Like, I bent over backwards from my, like, that's the kind of worker I am. Like, if you decide work, I'd work till the sun went, came up, like, it's just... It's just very hard with the position, I mean, because when someone here is homeless and they see me of my age, they immediately they immediately think of someone who's on drugs or in a, in a, in this situation because of their own fault. But you're not but you're like, not on you're not on substances, are you? I'm not. Like, I'm I, I'm genuinely not. The only medication now I'm on is for my epilepsy. Uh, I'm on five hundred milligrams of two different tablets. Yeah. They're called. Um, yeah. Epilum and uh, Epilum Chrono. Right. The two different types. And are you, how are you coping? Do you have any? Um, do you have any attacks? I I actually had one yesterday. Um, I'm biting the whole lot of my tongue and everything. In the, is that, was that in the tent? That was in the tent, which is they seem to be happening. Like, I had them under control for a while. I had it. I had epilepsy my whole life, and I had them under control for a while. But when, as soon as things started to pile on, it just got worse and worse. Because I, I actually suffer from four different types of epilepsy. So it's, it's like if one of them doesn't play up the other, I know the other will. Like, how long are you in the tent in the leaf fields? I'm there now. Before uh, I went there after town, and I'm there now at a, about nearly a month. And you there? Maybe. Are you on your own there? Are there other tents there? Or other people in no, the area? Um, I like I walked really, really far up to be honest, because the stuff that happened in town, I just didn't want to be around that. So I was like, I just stay out in the middle of a field. On your own? Yeah, on my own. Like. um I currently talk. I was currently talking to this other person as well, who was in my situation a couple of weeks ago, and he actually had two puppies with him, and I, I, he gave me a puppy, hmm. so that's the only kind of company I have, to be honest, because if I didn't, if I didn't have something or someone with me, I'd 
like I I just suffer bad as well from my mental health and that's where I genuinely would be terrified yeah if it wasn't because I don't want anything to happen because, but I know that it will if I'm kind of on my own kind of thing you get me. I do. Oh, I do. It's plain as day to me what you're saying. The stress, the depression is leading to suicidal thoughts. The pup, the pup is there with you. And you're saying that, um, you know, right now, the pup is keeping you some way together. Is that it? Exactly. Yeah. Now you've been into City Hall. You said you've been to Threshold. You, um, you, you can't, you have your dole? Uh, yeah. I have that, um, I, I was getting HAP as well and I, I was talking to HAP yesterday and they said that I was in arrears for 147 euro but then I was explaining to them that um, that I got kicked out ages ago and that I went over to City Hall to sort out my HAP and they said that, that City Hall didn't even sort out my HAP so it just that just tell, basically telling me like that they didn't help me out at all they didn't do anything for me like uh, you know, I know that there are very, very strict rules with regards to uh, landlords and the amount of notice that they can and can't give you. Were you there longer than six months? Uh, yeah, just, yeah, I was. I was there about a year. Yeah. Were you there over a year? Um, no, the lease was a year long and um, with, look, with renewal kind of thing, but um, it was going on the year because the lease was just up. Yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't have got a week or a month's notice, no? No. You've only got a couple of days or something, is it? Yeah, a couple of days. I'd, it was three days, no, max, I'd say. I'd give it. I can't because understand. I can't understand if uh, you went to Threshold, how they said that that was okay. You were there a year. The lease was up, but you need to get... I, do you not need to get notice when the lease... Is coming to an end. No, it just runs out, and you go. Is that what the landlord said? Yeah, that that's that's what he said. Can you get another job as a chef? No. Well, I could, I could, like, but um, to be honest, I uh, like, I just, I just, like, I need somewhere as well to kind of clean myself up before. Yeah, I, can, like, I know. I'm just, I'm just thinking if you, because they're looking for chefs everywhere, and if you're good at the job, you'll get a job. And if you could couch surf with a pal or a relative or anyone for for a while until you can find a house share or something how are you thinking things through Um, I'm kind of thinking saying now is yourself like but it's I'm I'm looking for board at the moment like a job and someone to house share with but it's just trying to find the right person or trying to find even someone that wants to house share with something else as well I know I know, because there aren't any pals or relatives that can give you a dig out in the short term. You sound, you sound like a very kind of a, a gentle kind of a, a gentle kind of a gentle kind of a chap. Maybe that's because you're depressed. Are you, are you, are you usually yeah. just very? Are you a quiet kind of a lad? No, uh, she's I'd usually be on the phone laughing and joking with you and everything, but uh, not in the mood I'm in now. <laughs> I know. I can imagine. I can imagine. At 22 years of age, how do you spend your day? constantly just walking around or like when I've had my seizures there's nothing that I can do because my head is just pounding I can't see straight or anything so I just be I left for the past couple of days I've been in the tent so just kind of stuck in the tent but isn't there a worry that if you've seizures on your own in the tent that you could die yeah like 
there's always that worry with seizures. Just see, I've tried going to the CUH and getting letters from them as well for my epilepsy to bring into the city hall to say like, oh, he needs that bit extra help or something like that. But they're they're not they're not sending any letters to me then either. I'm trying to get through to my doctor. Do you feel as if and you're invisible? Like, I that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, I know. Like the minute I turned home, it's not even funny how many people that I, I lost. Like, like it's it's like just no one wants anything to do with me anymore. And there was nobody in the job or anything would let you bunk up at the time, just give you somewhere to stay or anything. You were gone that quick. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose you would go too because you'd be embarrassed, wouldn't you? You'd be mortified like that somebody would sack you and you just kind of... Yeah, like I was mortified to even admit it to them. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. You just want to get out of there and get away from that scenario, you know? You'd be just, you'd be just, as I say, just embarrassed. Um, Did you go to Simon? See, I, I rang Simon and they said that they could take me in but you see no offence to anyone that's over there or anything um, but there's a lot of drug use inside him and I'm just afraid that like not that I take anything but like Joe if my depression keeps going down and down am I just start hanging around with the wrong people that are in Simon no I mean that's that's a good way to be, you know. That's important that you keep yourself safe from the temptation, you know. You know, you because in a weak moment of depression or hopelessness, you'd never know what you might do or pick up, you know. So that's that's probably a good idea. I'm just thinking: is the tent the best option, you know, out in the leaf fields? What do you, like? How do you yeah. what do you do for how do you how do you do for food or for a wash or a shave or a shower? Well, to be honest, the past couple of days I've just jumped into the river just to freshen myself up in a pair of shorts um, when I got the chance. But food-wise, I haven't eaten in the past three days. But I'm kind of used to that now at this stage. I'm not, just not eating. Why won't you eat if you've got some few bob it's, coming in from Dole? Are you just too pissed off? It's pissed off. I'm just not hungry. And, you know, it's. I'm just trying to buy. I know food is important, but, like, I'm just trying to buy the more kind of essential stuff. As in, like, kind of maybe like socks or underwear. Yeah, I know. I know. Food for the dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm really. I just can't get over why they sacked you, man. I just don't understand that. Like, I would have thought if you're a damn good chef. And chefs are short and you're an employee, they have a responsibility to you. You know, I can't believe that. I really don't know why. And I, I can't understand. Why. You know, there was no problems there. How long were you in the job? I was in the job for about four to five months. Okay, yeah. Chefing's your thing? Yeah, like, these, I grew up watching Gordon Ramsay as weird as it sounds, so. Yeah. I love cooking, like. And you're good at it? I like to think I am anyway. I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> and the landlord, what was his game that he would? He just wanted you out? I mean, there was no trouble in the apartment rent, no? There was no trouble. Like, there was the odd time now where he might have had to, like, tell me, you know, turn the music down. Yeah. And he told me that, like, I think it was uh, once or twice and through the whole year. And that was it. I actually stopped even playing music up in my house after yeah, that. Yeah. They're always, um, listening. That's, that's not a... Uh, an eviction offence, you know. They tell me here at home to turn the music down all the time. They don't threaten to evict me. They just say, turn it down, you know. 
sometimes <laughs> sometimes we turn it up a bit too loud but you know it's not a criminal offence unless it was every yeah. night through the night it wasn't any of that kind of carry on no like geez. I'd be like I'd be usually kind of when I lived up there I I loved kind of just walking around that area place and just looking at all the old buildings I'd actually do that nearly every night before I went to bed and oh, no, you were happy out working away happy you see my worry is that you're only 22 you've got your whole life ahead of you if this isn't arrested and sorted out where you can just get back on your feet and plough on you'll go the other way you either won't be around in six months time uh, or you will be back on the streets and you'll be using you'll be on substances and then you'll die you know you see that, that's what I'm afraid of well like, so am I because, because that's, so that's what happens a lot you're so young it's really important, you know. You've a long life. There's another, there's another sixty, say maybe seventy, eighty years in you. You know, if you can get it right. Hopefully, anyway. What would you like to see happen from this conversation? Um, just even if someone could like just reach out to me and you know help me and not even like. Uh, Jesus, I'd love them to give me a house, but I doubt that's going to happen. Well, you, you may not get, you may not get a house. You yeah. might get, a, you might get a bed, <laughs> a room, maybe, <laughs> share a bathroom. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but it'd be a start, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Joe, even something like that, Joe, something small, just to, just to give me that boost. Or I know, give you a break, isn't it? Give you a break. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. She's, can I give out? Can I give out your number? Can I? Can we make some queries on your behalf with the different services, and also give out your number if anybody calls wanting to help? Yeah, please. That I'd actually appreciate that so okay, much. Okay. Okay. All right, Paul. Hang in there. All right. Do do stay in touch. No I know you don't have a phone, so make sure you get back to me again um, or a number where you're contactable. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks so much again. All right. Keep your head up, will you? Yeah, I will. Thanks for phoning and okay. having the conversation. All right, Chef. Take care. Cheers for now. Take care. Bye. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. I mean, I talk with so many people in situations that uh, are far from ideal, and Paul's situation in a tent, of course, is far from ideal. Uh, thank you, Tim. You're very kind. Tim texted to say, give Paul my number and we can go for a coffee and maybe I can help with a place to stay. Uh, there's a vacant apartment in my building also. Thank you, Tim. Can we make sure that that happens, that uh, he's contacted by, by Tim, see if I uh, might be able to help Paul. Also, I believe that uh, Penny Dinners have been in touch as well. Penny Dinners is always there. Don't ask any questions. They're there to help for food and for, for clothing and, and other issues like that. It's very sad. Of course, we the four lads, all of them with their own challenges in life, living happily on Copley Street. And then they get a letter saying, you got to be out. We're moving you out. They lived in the house for two years. They were happy out, just getting on with their lives in spite of uh, the difficulties they have with their health issues and stuff like that. Some physical, some mental, uh, but they're fine. They were loving it there and getting on with it. And then they're told, no, you're out. Uh, we need the house for somebody else. Now the family of one of the lads claims that it's to put a Ukrainian family in. That was their claim. It's not mine. Um, they were being offered instead bed and breakfast accommodation. It's quite shocking, isn't it, to have our own people treated in such a way? Are we going to stand for this? The government is flooding the country with Ukrainians. I saw a thousand a week are still arriving in on the television the other night and nowhere to house them. It's shocking for all concerned. And there are more coming from other countries who have to fight for their place as it's about to be capped. But at the meantime, our citizens are suffering for two selfish idiots, uh, Putin being one of them. Did we cause suffering to anyone else when we were at war? 
Um, different times, different different times. A uh, very interesting short text came in from Patty. Said one sentence can sort Paul the chef's situation out. One sentence, and Pat claims the sentence is, "I am a refugee." Claim to be a refugee. Everything makes sense. Sorry, everything will change. Uh, Texter says this makes no sense at all. Moving those family, those people for a family in need. Uh, these people are in need. The four lads in Copley Street. I'm so fed up with this system. It's corrupt, and that's clear. Now, with regards to um, Copley Street, there were four lads in it. Three have now left. I'm assuming that they have gone to bed and breakfast. One lad is remaining, and he says he will not move. So I may update on that in the coming days. Meanwhile, you know, we talk of commemorating 1916, and we talk of uh, marking the 100th anniversary of the death of Michael Collins. Irish independence, Neil, is a total failure. It would have been much better if we'd never left the UK. The proof is there today, as much as it was during the so-called glorious revolution, with thousands leaving this shell of a country in order to give themselves some kind of a life and a job that they want, rather than what they can get. Uh, it's very interesting because many people were texting um, when we were chatting about this last week as to, you know, wh- why would somebody not want to draw a dole? Why would somebody not want to get a social welfare payment when so many jobs pay just around minimum wage or, if you're lucky, €12 Euro an hour? And with the cost of things these days, who'd be daft enough to work for that kind of money? Uh, I'm emailing in about an ongoing topic. Uh, We are a family of five renting for the last five years in Douglas. Our house is currently on the market and we have notice to leave. Uh, We recently applied for a mortgage and got approved for €120,000. Not a whole lot that I can get for that kind of money. We now find ourselves applying for rental after rental and it's pointless taking up the mortgage offer. I dread, dread the situation we find ourselves in. Not really sure why I'm emailing, just, maybe just emailing, just venting my frustration. I've been told we don't qualify, you see, for cost rental as we earn too much. Uh, same with our council, with council housing. Not sure what to do next. Have any of your previous callers got advice from anyone in particular? I, I don't know what kind of a sort of advice could be given. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. The mortgage approval is half what you would need and then some if you've got some kind of a deposit to go with it. But uncomfortable as I am on this program to be, um, you know, engaging in bashing people who are fleeing war, I'm still obliged to share texts and thoughts of people who have opinions. So I'm wondering why we are still taking people from Ukraine into Ireland. Just heard on the news bulletin that the football season is starting in Ukraine and only of the quarter of the country is actually at war. What about all the hotels and other accommodation that's free in the western part of Ukraine? Why isn't this being used to house the people fleeing the east of the country? We constantly hear about inflation in this country, food, electricity, heating and diesel, the housing crisis, student accommodation crisis, the hospital crisis, the schools crisis. Yet we bring in more and more with no place to house them at a huge cost to the state and the taxpayer. How can the government find money for the Ukrainian refugees, but nothing for our own people? This government needs to be removed and an Ireland first government needs to be put in place. And then a letter arrived saying something similar regarding the disgust for the present government and what they're doing to our Irish people at this present time. Hoteliers are selling their souls to get a few extra euro by taking in Ukrainian refugees into their hotels and then cancelling on Irish people's bookings to accommodate Ukrainians. This is totally wrong, but as usual, the government thinks it's okay to do this to our own Irish people. Refugees have never had it so good. Money, mobile phones, PPS numbers, medical cards. Most will never go back or ever work. Now the housing minister is freeing up more houses, which he could not find before. 
but can find them for refugees. Constitute a disgrace, but nobody cares once the government have a brave face for the leaders of the European Union. People won't forget this when a general election is called. Uh, can I just jump in there? Do you want to bet? People forget everything. We have very short memories. And, then, and it's been proven since the formation of the state that all we do is elect the same under the same names, different promises, which are always broken. Anyway, to finish the letter, um, in regards to the general election, people are struggling to uh, live day to day and feed their children. Some are in hotel rooms, uh, but for the long haul, our own people should come first in Ireland not refugees. And that is from Harry, who actually put pen to paper and wrote, you can do that. Just Red FM, Curraheen Cork will get me if you want to get in touch by uh, uh, by post. I can't believe that we as a proud nation have allowed past and more importantly, this government to absolutely destroy our country. What they have shouldered onto people's lives is nothing short of criminal. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't burn coal, turf, etc., I have news for them. We can't bloody afford to burn the fuels anyway. Isn't it great for our leaders to sit back and watch prices and everything spiral out of control when they're continuing to make extra money on taxes and duties and VAT and VRT and excise? We must never question them, though. Michal and Leo and Eamon proudly come on television and tell the nation just how good a job they are doing. Um, what a load of BS. Shaming them for inflicting so much pain on Irish citizens. They can't find money for essentials and life-saving essentials, but can find billions for their own little pet projects. As an example, Ryan recently ordered buses at a cost of 482 million euro. At this point of time, that project should have been cancelled or shelved for a few years. They've done so much damage to our country that whoever wins the next election will be left with an impossible task. But knowing our circus of a government, that's their plan. I call now, says Tony, on the people of Cork to come out on the streets and voice their anger at the next protest rally. Don't let others do the dirty work. Let's all make a difference together. Come on, Rebel Cork. Don't let the side down, uh, says Tony Carroll by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. So keep those coming and I'll jump in and out again between now and midday today. But I want to go back to the phone lines. Uh, Line one is David. David, thanks for holding. Can you hear me all right? Morning. Oh, there you are. You're not on a speakerphone, are you? I am. Okay, just come off it there. It's much clearer. Uh, just again, just to remind people, no speakerphones, guys. It doesn't It doesn't work for live radio. Where were you yesterday? The lock, was it? Sorry, I'll have to go back on you. Sorry. All right. Okay. Well, if it's a hearing um, issue for you, that's fine. I understand. Okay. Where were you yeah, yesterday? Uh, no, it was Monday, Neil. Monday, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the reason why I didn't ring you Monday, because I, uh, anyway, I went to the lock at four o'clock roughly quarter to four, I was picking up my son and his, his fiance in the airport at eight. So I said, you know, I'm going to have a nice day out with the dog in the lock, uh, bring goodies for him or whatever. Yeah. And see how we get on. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, we, we did three rounds, but I realized, you know, it was too hot for him and it was very hot. There, so I went back It was hot care. Monday afternoon. It was, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. It was raw and it was beautiful. There was lots of people out there. It was all people with their workers and, and mopeds and whatever, trying to have taken in everything. Everyone was happy reading books, and there was a lot of non-nationals there, Chinese, and, every, and everyone was happy. And anyway, I, I passed the Hawthorne, and I went into my car. I was across from the Hawthorne, that car park there. Yeah. Um, and there's a bank in front of the Hawthorne, which would have been left in my car. And there's a board feeder there that you put in your money or whatever you do, your card, and you get a board seat or whatever. And as I passed the second time, we, we did three rounds first. And I said, I give the dog a break in the car and give him water and whatever. 
And as I pass the second time, I see a bird with his, obviously with his head under his wing because he was asleep. So what you do, you go around it obviously and leave it alone. Yeah. You avoid everything. Yeah. So this, my third time going on, I came back to the car and on my right hand side, this guy is heading for the heart horn um, with a bulldog. He didn't realize from the, the dog was five feet roughly behind him on the lead. And the dog snatched onto the, to the bird's neck. And the sleeping the bird. The poor sleeping bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he felt the tug because the dog stopped, obviously, with the bird in his mouth. So I was going to get out of the car, and he, he showed at the dog, and he dropped the bird. Now, the bird did a wobble for about maybe a foot and a half. So I said to myself, oh, my God, he's after surviving that. How did he survive that dog? So... There was a couple on the right of the bank in front of my car, and there was a couple on the left of the bank sitting on the edge of the wall, just looking into the water or whatever, and they looked at him, and he kept staring at them. Then he passed. He didn't want the, he didn't want the, um, the circle, outside the circle of the, uh, the lock, and he didn't want the inside, so he went into the grass side. He went into the middle. So the dog was constantly going around the grass the whole way around. But he was outside the hard time, and he was looking back at these two couples. But little did he know I was looking at him. And I said, the board is blind anyway. So I went, I took the dog out again. And I said, I'll only do one at a time now because it's too hard. And as I came back along, I sat in my car again uh, to take a break. And next thing I looked, I saw the heap and I went over to it because I, I just, I said to me, said, don't tell me the board is actually after collapsing after. Yeah. So I, I, just t- I talked to it with my foot. And I rolled over and I said, oh, my God, what do I do with this? So then there was a couple stopping, and I explained to them what happened. But my point about this is, if you, if you spit out your gum, I can see these fines for up between 100 and 150 euro, okay? Out at the lock, so, there's fine signs. Well, there's fine signs everywhere. Yeah, okay. you know I mean, you're not supposed What to kind of a bird was it? A little duck or what? It was, it was like a seagull. It was like a, a, an army seagull, you know? Right. But the, the point they're making is it doesn't matter what bird it is, what size it is, they'll do nothing to, to us, and it's their sanctuary. It's the, That's their home. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not invading my house, and they're not going to invade theirs. Was it a bullstaff, was it? Yeah. yeah. Now, what I will say to you, Neil, is um, it's, it's been a few weeks since I've been out there, but I used to spend a lot of like I'm from most in Oxford, right? Yeah. So I used to love going out there as a child. And I still love bringing when my kids were young. I have four guys out there and older and dogs heading for their thirties, twenties, and forties. Yeah, yeah. But my point is about this chunga thing compared to a dog. If you try a chunga, you get fined one hundred and fifty. These dogs, if that if that was a child out there walking along the lock with their little hand out and he not he locked onto it, that child's hand is gone. That child's face could be gone. The mother will probably get attacked because it's defending the child. There's old people sitting down. If they just moved out a little stick, he might get aggressive. But these dogs should be muzzled. It's it's so, on the dangerous dogs list, isn't it? Well, it is. But yeah. what I'm saying. So on a lead and muzzled in public. When the dog went for and latched on and ultimately killed the bird, uh, what did, did the owner do did. about it? He just kept going. And what he did was he went over towards, as I said, he was in the middle of the grass bulge between the two circular walks. And he, he looked at the um, heart on and he let the dog off a little bit because there was another dog. He just wanted to go to another dog. 
and he kept staring back at the two couples looking at him, but he didn't realise I was watching him too. Yeah, but he did see what and the dog did to the bird. He did. Oh, he did. But showed no interest no, in that. No, no. Right. No, no. He didn't care. He yeah. didn't care. I know. I know. And, Heartbreaking, and isn't it? Was, what I would say to you is, don't give up. Now, the Welsh fellas out there were bigger bull dogs, bigger bull stats, and they had them right next to their, 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 like their knees as they walked around the lock. So there was no affair, you know, even though they were big men, big dogs, they, they had him a hold. Yeah, I know, but not him. this fellow. He was leaving it. He had like a leech that the dog would go for a couple of feet and come back to be dragged back, you know. What is it with dogs? Because not even dogs on dangerous dog lists go for other animals. All dogs do. Even like I don't know why they want to attack a rabbit or attack a fox or or go in and harass I, sheep. I'm told so it's all to do with their, their DNA. It's just the way they're, they're built. But is, why, it like? It is sometimes, Neil, it's like anything else. Like, if, you, if, if you're into, if you're into uh, being um, the way you're brought up, and then eventually like, you're, you're thinking, oh, I have to get, break into this house, I have to do this to get me to... I know, but, I know, but to kill, to like, I mean, why, why do they yeah. want to inflict... Pain and other creatures. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, it's in the blood. You see, like, I have a friend. I have a friend that has about six to seven those dogs, and I know for a fact if he sold those tomorrow, he will get over. And I know for he went up, he actually took a chance to COVID to buy one and kill there, and the guy came from Dublin to sell it to him for, I think, about 1,200 euros. So he would get 10,000 for those seven dogs straight away. They buy him for their work money, they're bought to fight. And they're bought to breed because they're worth a lot of money. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know that. I'm talking. Well, I know that the, breeding dog stuff. And I'm just wondering why my, it's my, in their DNA to want yeah. to well, attack my, my, and tear my, apart a bird. Yeah. My my point Neil, is right. And I've seen every dog should be mother. Does that like my dog? Does does not point. He, he doesn't. He like he just goes along the bulb anyway. He just walking along with his sleep, standing there. They, they scare him anyway. He doesn't. He can go. I actually, kids out the lock ask me. Could I love your dog? And I just let him go away. Tell you why? He'd go away with him. He just yeah. jump up in the lap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not but all dogs, you're right. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, for the sake of people with children out there, it could have easily been a baby's face for a split second. All right. Once that dog gets two seconds, your face is gone. Okay, okay. All right, sad, um, no, sad and cruel. All, all I'm saying is, don't get me wrong, I know you were talking about police in the streets. Uh, I'm just saying the dogs home. There should be somebody out there in twos with a van and say, sorry, no excuses. We're taking the dog. The dog is worth 1,200 euro. If you want them back, because you didn't Muslim, you pay 300. Okay. 50, okay. 150. Okay. Okay? Nice one. Thanks, and David. My point, my, yeah. my, point, my point by saying that is because they've come up and they say, oh, I left the Muslim in the car. Oh, I forgot me. That's no good. That's no good if there's a child heading to sue with age. I don't know what person, but it has to like I know, it's awfully cruel on the poor okay. bird as well. All right, thanks, David. Nice one. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show uh, While doing some uh, look work in the issue regarding uh, Troy the housing issue Troy Gate if you like uh, Robert Troy the TD and Junior Minister um, there, was, there was a lot available online with regards to ethics and public office and complying with the standards and public office guidelines and what have you 
And somebody mentioned a report in the, uh, you know, uh, on the ditch.com, which is an online news channel, where they were reporting that Mihal Martin hadn't declared in the Dáil Register his share in a West Cork holiday home uh, for 10 years. And they were saying in the, on the ditch that he failed to declare his share in another house he inherited um, in 2012, his late father's home. Um, and the house in, they were referring to down in Court Mac Sherry uh, was his holiday home bought in 1999. Um, um, and I think there was, a, there was also the, a share in uh, the, another holiday home from his late father, which was, was shared out amongst, amongst the family. So... You're very uncomfortable even reading this out, but it was a claim that was being made by the ditch um, and the values of the house, uh, the West Cork was, he put a value of 54,770 euro in 2012, although an estate agent told the ditch that he estimated the property to be worth in the region of 300,000 euro. Um, so it was a kind of an interesting one. Um, the ditch went into detail saying that Mihal Martin failed to declare in the Dáil Register his share of the property particularly in 2012, 2013. But so we contacted the uh, office of Michal Martin this morning and, and said, you know, that, that this report was online talking about this particular property uh, and that he hadn't declared it, uh, that he failed to declare his share in another house, etc. And we were looking for some clarity. I just didn't want to read it out without first checking, as you do. And the Taoiseach's office came back and said, the Taoiseach is fully compliant with all uh, standards in public office guidelines which exclude the holiday home or any other private home used by an office holder for his family that is not being used for commercial purposes. So if the family use it, etc., 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 then um, it doesn't apply. It excludes holiday homes and other private homes. So, say, for instance, a holiday home in West Cork wouldn't fit. And actually, it's interesting because the Ethics Act declares that TDs have to express any interest in land or interest in the value of anything over 13,000 euro but it excludes a building that is occupied by the person or his or her spouse or children they're excluded so nothing to see here really in spite of the fact that Michael Creed um, did declare a holiday home in France and another in Kerry and other politicians did as well but it's not obliged so I don't know how the, I don't know how the ditch got that wrong uh, apparently it doesn't include holiday homes for personal use they're non-commercial, if you like. So, happy to clear that out on a fact check. Text 0868104106 for all other business. Back to the phone lines. Morris, good morning. Neil, good morning. How are you? Oh, good. Okay. Um, what, do you, what do you make of this, uh, even the issue of, say, for instance, TDs being landlords, in the case of Robert Troy, nine rental properties? Uh, yeah, well, look, obviously, Mr. Troy is a high net worth individual. And... Um, you know, he's just looking to maximise his wealth. I mean, that's what that's what capitalism is about, I think. Um, being a member of the Oireachtas, though, and uh, having rental properties and not declaring them, that's, that's a different issue uh, entirely, you know. Um, I think myself, the main problem, why, why, why there is such an outcry for Trigate is that, you know, we have this never-ending housing crisis. Now, you might think it just popped up in the last 10 years, but if you ask me, for most of my adult life, there's been a housing crisis, um, and it's only been made worse 
by certain government policies. Ah, yeah, but it would be fair to say the last decade or so it's gone absolutely crazy. Oh, it's gone, it's gone nuts. It's gone nuts in the last 10 years. Yeah, there's no doubt. Since, yeah. since the recovery, we'll say, from the, um, the, the crash in 2008, yeah, right? We never, ever, ever had a situation whereby it would be cheaper now to buy and get a mortgage than it would be to rent. It was never like that. It was like, like years back, a mortgage repayment would mm. be twice the rental income per month, you know? Yeah. And I hear the argument about the taxation on rental properties, Neil, and I, 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 do, I do understand that, right? Um, but, like, where I see the problem now for trials, right, is that, like, he's a man who's in a position of power, right? It's, it's up to people like him to d- address this problem in society, right? And as outlined in, in your program this morning and other media outlets, right? Like, he's in the dial speaking about um, mm. certain amendments to... The there could be a conflict of interest, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, look, it's what, like a turkey voting for Christmas. What, what, right? when, when did all this get really out of control? You were making a point in your text or your mm-hmm. email, I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure which it was. That, mm-hmm. that when did it go? Yeah, well, look, Neil, let's decide. That's what I was trying to get to there a while ago. Um, like, you have government policies here. No, some of this has been directed by Europe, right? So we, we have, like, I remember back 2003, 2004, things were not as crazy, right? Um, and I think it was the Nice referendum. You remember we passed that Nice treaty, right? And we had to we had to ratify that treaty. Now that treaty opened up the door to the other ten accession states to the EU, right? Uh, Poland, uh, Moldova, not Moldova, Ma- sorry, you Romania. Made the European Union bigger. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? Like all those eastern states came yeah. into the European Union, yeah. and that's fine. No, if you 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 were a radio broadcaster at the time, and from then on, you, you started covering stories about Eastern Europeans living in houses, 10 of them stacked into a house, right? Mm. And also working on building sites and things like that, mm. undercutting the local labour force, right? Mm. Driving around cars, which might not be properly taxed and insured, right? Or mm. not declared correctly in the country. Do you remember all these societal issues at that I time? Mean, I do remember those stories, yeah. And, and, and they're, they're facts, no, Neil. They're, you can take them to the bank. These are factual stuff. This was all, you were covering stuff that was being reported in newspapers, right? Mm. So, like, you had that started it then, you see, that put demand on housing then. And because there's demand on housing, we have to make more housing to house these people that we brought in. Mm. Then we had a smart economy. Here, when we here, no, here, and they came here to work, incidentally. Well, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. They were coming here to work, but they were being exploited by certain ruthless subcontractor people in the construction industry yeah. and other industries, right? Yeah. yeah. No, um... They came here we to work, like, for instance, the multinational corporations who set up there. I was just going there now. And just also going for those, that 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 those who opened up all of these huge mm-hmm. big call mm-hmm. centres. They all need the a The call centres, the data centres, all these kind of things. We're going to service the whole of Europe. You have a government TD then or a minister turning up to cut the ribbon, right? And a big smile and a big picture on the examiner. A thousand new jobs in Cork, yeah. right? Or yeah. in Dublin yeah. or in Galway or whatever they were going to be, right? Yeah. But the reality was... You had hundreds of people coming in to fill these so-called Irish jobs coming in from other countries. So there you go, you're back on the merry-go-round. Yeah, but they weren't necessarily demand. Irish jobs. A lot of these jobs required very specific experience and talent and training. And a lot of the time they were language-related. So, they weren't taking anybody's jobs. I mean, Oh, no, no, just, no, listen. They were jobs that these multinationals would have to create anyway, right? But because of the EU common market environment, right... The EU or these, these companies and under Irish corporation tax, again, which I'm going back to, to, to government policies here, right? These companies then were allowed to set these jobs up in Ireland as opposed to in the other European countries. They could mm. set up a massive big call centre here. Apple knows the case on point with that, and I don't mean any disrespect to the company. You have Voxpro there. I don't know what they call themselves. 
uh, these days, right? Mm. They have another massive big call centre, and there are only a few. Facebook and Google, all these companies are yeah, here. Yeah, well, I mean, just go out to. I've been to one or two of the commercial parks and industrial parks yeah. recently. The one up by the airport is mind blowing. Yeah. By, by just in terms of scale. You know, 10 or 15 go. years ago, that wouldn't have been there. But there must be thousands and thousands of people working, working just in yeah, the airport yeah. commercial centre alone. They all need somewhere to live then, yeah. right? So yeah. now you have a booming construction sector then to feed that, right? You also have a, a booming uh, private rented uh, sector to feed that, right? Now, I don't know, the last, in like 2008, this kind of all ended in tears yeah. for the construction sector, yeah. right? I don't know, are we going there again? But you have to wonder, Neil, when you have people then involved in government decisions at the highest level, right? Ministerial level. And they're renting properties then. And is it in their interest, no need to do anything to deal with these problems? Like, you come across then the lady ringing you and telling you she's going to be homeless next week on her family or whatever. You, I think you started the programme this yeah, morning with that, that, that performance fortunate yeah. girl there below yeah. and... Like you know, her mother, what's her name, Santina, is it? No, Sant- that would be Bridget O'Donoghue, Santina's Yeah, mother, her mother, she, yeah, Blackpool, yeah. She's yeah. going to be made homeless now, yeah, right? Yeah. She's a victim now of this smashed economy that, that we were talking is, about. Why is it that um, I get caught between uh, a perfect storm of people who are blaming refugees and immigration policy on the one hand, and then others call, call that just being racist or inflammatory or stoking it up? Um, why, mm-hmm. why are so many people so unhappy? Uh, when I don't. I don't know. Do you do you think that what I've raised there? No, any points I've made this morning are racist. No, they're no, they're not. No, I'm not talking about you. Yeah. They're to- no, you. you I, actually, I actually pride myself now on not being a racist person. I talk to people of all races, all nationalities. No, I'm asking you. I'm asking I'm, you a, a question. Why? One by there, just one second there, Neil. No, I'm just. I'm just there's asking. A, I'm literally outside the house. Yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm not talking about you at all about this. You, you've yeah, actually yeah. catalogued or declined very well. In mm. fairness to you, mm. and you've historically gone through it very well. I'm just wondering, have you any opinion as to why? more and more people are being um, very negative um, and blaming others for their fault. It reminds me of 20 years ago, you said all the Polish were coming in here and we can't mm-hmm. deal with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have nowhere and they're taking all our jobs. Yeah, and now yeah. they're saying it about Ukrainian people. Why, why is well, that? Are we a racist nation or are people so unhappy that they must find somebody you know else what? to blame? We're, we're, a, we're a greedy nation, Neil. Right? We're actually a greedy nation of people and, and we're a very divided society. And it's historical in this country. It goes back hundreds of years to those that have and those that who who have not. Right? Um, but there's murder now over a, a young chef up on a t- in a tent in the Mardag. And I, I see the point people are making. Yeah. You know why were the government able to move so fast when there was an international crisis of war? Mm. When mm. we have our own in doorways, or in this case, a guy who wants to work and mm. can't work, living in a tent. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's that, that's. There's no excuse for that. Look, and I do understand there's a war in Europe. It's not of Europe's making, right? And you, 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 have, you have a dictator in the East trying to push West, right? And he's, he's going to destabilize the whole place. Come this winter now, and the gas crisis and all this, we're going to be in a whole lot of mess, right? But I do think that on the international stage, Ireland likes to be seen to do its bit when there's a problem internationally. But when it's domestic, Ireland buries its head in the sand, right? Or tries to cover things up. You know, and um, so look, we're it, guilty it of we're here. guilty of um, uh, of kowtowing to Europe or how people view us internationally, exactly, and not as yeah. good as minding our own. Exactly. Okay. That's that's the point. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But look, if you want to point the finger, blame Neil fairly and squarely. It's on all these government policies and how they've been enacted. Okay. You know? all right. And I heard Pat Buckley this morning on about this uh, housing development that he was talking about the, the thing, and you made a comment about fifty-year mortgages. No, Neil. And this is my ending point. No. 
I see nothing wrong with a 50 or 60 year mortgage, one that you pass to your... Um, Sons and your, daughters. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah, right, for a basic kind of a house, like for a family to live in, like someone takes over the property at the end of the day and pays off the mortgage. I see nothing wrong with that need, provided that it's in, administered by someone like the local authority on a local authority estate, right? And like what you'll have then, you'll have an actual counterbalance to this, the, the, the wild housing market that's out there. You don't think you know? if the mortgages are longer over 50 years that the house prices will be higher, no? No, I don't. If they're controlled correctly, they wouldn't be. No, But, but no, they'd have no, to be controlled put, because you'd have opportunists yeah. would say, ah, well, that mortgage is 50 years now, so the repayments will be tiny on it. We need to put the price of the houses up more. I mean, you saw the yeah. guy saying you have to give me a €2,000 deposit to just get on a yeah. priority list. I mean, that's this where we're it, going. This is how, this is what, back to the greed. No, no, no. That's the point they made about greed. Irish yeah. greed, All right? right? Okay. And there you go. And there's, right. no, there's no one seems to want to stop it. Thanks, Morris. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Nate. Bye, bye, bye. Back after the break. More calls on the way. Uh, Just hold on there, Virginia, after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Corks Red FM. Another story news uh, to the phone lines. We go, Virginia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, I am aware of your email since Monday, but my apologies for not getting you on until now. Um, and it, detail, no it details your experience on the, on the uh, Dublin to Cork train last Thursday evening, 7 o'clock, and the behaviour of people, which at one yes. stage, your grandson almost got knocked between the train, sorry, between the platform and the tracks. What happened? That's correct, yes. What happened? Well... We, as I explained, the um, train was late. There was hundreds of people queuing for it that didn't have an allocated seat. And as the train came in, they kind of rushed towards the gates. We were at the gates and um, as we went through, the as they were opened, people just rushed through it and people were knocking people everywhere. I got hit twice on the shoulder and at each side from the man and from a woman the other side. And my grandson went ahead on his own because it was the last um, carriage. So he went up on the outside and on his way, somebody knocked him and he said he thought he was because there's a fair gap between the train and the yeah. platform. And he thought it frightened him as he, he was knocked towards that, you know. OK, so caught up in a rush of people who were literally racing to get on the train and you describe it as hundreds. There was hundreds, yeah. Okay. There was literally okay. hundreds waiting there. And all of them, but they all have had tickets. They, would, they wouldn't have got that far without um, a ticket. They would have had tickets, but a lot of people didn't have allocated seats. Right. And so, there wasn't enough seats for them. So everybody piles on then. What happened next? Um, well, on my carriage, when we got we got to our carriage and we had our seats. But in front of us, there, was, um, there were two four-seated tables across from each other. There was two ladies and they had booked six seats because they had four children with them and people had sat in some of their seats and there was a row in food and it got quite nasty and in what way nasty what kind of a row shouting match is it yeah well the lady wasn't she wasn't shouting but it was very what would you say she was very definite in what she was saying and you're um, in my seat these are my children's seats please get yeah, up and yeah. the man and the woman didn't want to move and the two children started crying they were roaring crying now and um, it just felt all very a terrible atmosphere so two adults a grown man and a grown woman sat in the seats refused to move and the children of the mother started crying yeah. and they still refused to move they were very slow to move yeah. and there was another lady as well in their seats and um, she was quite angry as well and there was very many people standing and sitting. It was very hard to go to the toilet. 
until we got to Limerick Junction at least there was any decent room on the train. And did you get and your allocated seating? We did, yes. But the last time I went up, we had difficulties as well. So Isn't it amazing that when, when pointed out to somebody that they wouldn't get up out of the seat, it's not theirs. You know, if they didn't take the extra time to allocate a seat for themselves, but it's their talk. Um, sometimes you can't get allocated seats. They won't allow you to do it. Right. Okay. And is that what their um, excuse was? I'm sitting here because I couldn't get an allocated seat, so I'm taking yours instead. Kind of, yeah. And there was security got on the train at um, Port Leach. So I imagine our carriage wasn't the only one that had issues, you know. Yeah, but would you would you blame Irish Rail for that? I mean, it's the behaviour of the I passengers. Would certainly, yes. I would, because it's obviously overbooked. And it's causing a lot of a bad atmosphere between people. I mean, as a teenager, I would have travelled to Dublin quite a lot, a long time ago. And there would have been matches and there would have been really busy at times and everything. And it was always a really nice, um, what would you say, atmosphere yeah, of the train. yeah. You know, men would have got up to leave women sit down and all this, you know. But it's all that gone you know, now, is it? Oh, the, I, there's none of that. Children take their seat and they don't leave anyone going it and whatever. And rightly so if you've booked, you know. But there's just a terrible attitude. And I mean, those people that banged off me and my grandson, that's assault, mm. you know. Mm. And they should be aware of that. And there so should be something done about it, you know. It's It's also incredibly rude. Yeah. So I when mean, the train pulls out then, right, all of the seats are then taken, some of them by people whose seats they aren't, and others, are, and, and then there's others then who have no seat at all because they're all taken, and they're sitting on the floor or standing in the aisles, is it? There was very many of those. There was? There was, yes. You could hardly get near the toilets because there were so many people on the so floor. So is that not a health and safety issue then? Yes, it is. Okay, anything could happen. Yes, and... I, what's going through my mind is when I was going up towards that train was, you know, if there was a real emergency here, you know, what would be people like? They're bad enough just going for a train, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not, not a pleasant atmosphere, to say the least, as opposed to how it used to be before. Okay, no, maybe, and yeah. I'd never get that train again at that time. Never. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it could lead to an argy-bargy, couldn't it? It probably has in the past. Oh, I imagine it would. Why did the security get on the train, you know? What did they do? I don't know. They went up into the next carriage. Something else was going on up there, clearly. You couldn't tell yeah. only what was going on in your own carriage. No, you couldn't really move when you when we got on first. You wouldn't go to the toilet or anything because you couldn't get there, you know. Nasty arguments, standoffs, unpleasant yeah. atmosphere, people refusing to move. And you say the days of getting up, say, for instance, and letting an elderly person sit down, they're gone. Oh, I suppose an elderly person, you might be, let's say, you know, they might leave them sit down, but I imagine a woman, a man getting up for a woman is probably gone. <laughs> Just at the end of your email, I did read something about this somewhere online. Did, Vo- did Vo- Lo- Vogue Williams lose the plot with regards to a seat on a um, plane, is it? On, yeah, she was on a plane, apparently, and um, she hadn't booked um, a seat for herself and um, her husband and her uh, there was apparently a man in between herself and her husband and whatever and she asked him to move and he wouldn't move. Why wouldn't he move though? It would be very easy for the guy to move, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I suppose if you go on a plane and you pick a seat, maybe sometimes you might be a bit nervous or something. Maybe you'd like that seat for some reason, you know? Yeah. I don't know. He did eventually apparently, but um, I thought it was so trivial compared to what happened on the train, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see I did see a bit of a rant online. She was kind of nasty towards him, wasn't she? 
She was there and I just thought it was so trivial, really, you know. Yeah, but people pushed back against her. I saw a lot of the comments were telling her to cop on, get a life, get over it, stop complaining. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, okay. She, as I said, she should try travelling in the... Irish Red. Try travel the Dublin to Cork Trail seven o'clock on a yeah. Thursday evening, says you. All right, thanks for Jenny. You can thanks for that. Text 0868104106. Back to Paul's situation. Paul's a young chef who lost his job because he had no postal address. I thought I, th- I thought that was very cruel of the restaurant to do that to him. I'm I'm taking him at his word as to what he said. Now ultimately he has nowhere to go, nowhere to stay, and is in a tent on uh, the Mardike. Um, and as I was saying to him, people are crying out for chefs. It'd be great to get them working again. You can be sure of that. Anyway, Tony uh, is chairman of Cork City Homeless Group. They go out. I see you're going up pretty much every night of the week now, Tony. Good morning. Hey, good morning there, Neil. How often are you going out working with people, uh, working with the homeless? About six nights a week. Okay. Where do you base yourselves then in the city? Well, we, what we do is we drive around and we... We know where all the, the lads would be and what have you, and we drop them off and we go to some B&Bs there and drop off dinners to the people that are in the B&Bs that they, like, they don't get fed in the B&Bs. They just supply their own food, so we drop off. It's a hot meal. Where would you get them? I mean, they're, they're hot, nutritious dinners. Where, what, 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 where would you get them? We make them ourselves. Amazing. Yeah. Have you a unit? Uh, we don't. We don't. We work out our own houses there. Uh, myself, Sarah, and Louise, and another one or two of us there that's yeah. involved in the group. Do you we ever have any? Up the dinners. You make up the dinners and you give it to people who are homeless and need a good yeah. meal. And and that was that's what prompted your 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 text was to help Paul out. Oh yeah, if he needs a dinner there at night, there's nobody there. Just give us a bell and we drop it out to him there wherever he is. It's sad though, isn't it? Young guy with his whole that's, life ahead of him. It's unreal, like, you know, like, there's another chap down in Carrick too, they're in the same situation. So B&B's, yeah, B&B, I think I might have spoken to the chap down in Carrick Tool, actually. How, how's things going for him? I, I think he's still in the same situation, I think, as far as I know. In a tent? Yeah, like, what you call it, like, as, as you go back to dinners there, and things like that, like, we make up the dinners ourselves, but, uh, there's one night a week there that we get a break. Um, <clears throat> what's going on? Excuse me there. Yeah, right. uh, they send munch there and Macy there. They give us uh, a load of dinners there as well. The chipper? Yeah. I play to them. They give you whatever yeah. you need. Oh, did we just come in the bag there in containers and they make up X amount of dinners there for us and We'll toddle off then they're about nine o'clock or so. And how many how many hot dinners would you think you'd be uh, handing out on a nightly well, basis? Well roughly averaging there were about about fifty dinners. Five zero a night. Yeah. And where else besides bed and breakfasts would you be giving them to people who are sleeping in doorways, in tents, down lanes? In doorways. What we do is we walk away through the B and B's first and we come back into Patrick Street and we look after the lads in Patrick Street and then we go down to the back of Simon and we park there and we dish out the rest of them then down there. Do you ever get time to have a chat with them to find out how life got so down and bad for them? Oh yeah, geez, they, they talk so way to us there at night there. Like, like some, they have mental health issues, some have drug issues, some have drink issues. Yeah. And some, you know, they're, they're, they're okay, like, you know. Do you also come across them 
and feed them for a period of time and then wonder why they disappear? I know, because they're always around. But we do lose homeless people, as you're well aware. Oh, yes. Well, I'm an emergency responder myself. And I actually saved one or two of them myself. Amazing, isn't it? So, it's amazing. It's never so bad, sure, wasn't it? Oh, no, it's unreal. And it's worth it's getting like. And like, as you were saying there a while ago with this housing thing there, we had a lot of lads there outside in the commons and they were given 12 hours notice to get out. And there was Ukrainians put in there like... But, yeah, but when they were given notice to go, were they put anywhere else besides the room in the commons? Well, no, they were put out onto the streets. Did that really I, happen, but, though, Tony? Really? Uh, did, yeah, we saw, like, we saw the numbers going up straight away, like, when, like, at, before that happened, we were doing about 30 dinners a night, and then all of a sudden it just bounced up. Like, just some, they said we might, we, we might have extra dinners, you know? Yeah, but not anymore. And, not anymore. Like, so like every night, every night we go out there, we have soft drinks, potatoes, and things like that. We'd be cleaned out at night time there. I think people would be very angry and upset to hear that you just said that a load of lads who were in rooms in the Commons were bounced out without any notice back onto the streets to vacate. Well, 12, for twelve hours notice, they were sent back to Simon and sent back to Vincent's and all this camper there, like you know. Like one or two of them might have got B and B's, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. See, people get very angry when they hear that. Yeah. And it's actually a disgrace, like, you know. Yes. I mean, it's just, among other things, it lacks compassion, you know. It, it means, yeah. you know, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to deal with the people coming in from a war-torn country? Oh, throw everybody else out of the emergency accommodation instead. And it just, it's awful. Right. Like every uh, nearly every night now, there's, there's there's two homeless groups out nearly every night, you know, and we all have food. I like saw so there is a fair amount of people out there. And do would all of them the issues that they're dealing with? You said mental health issues, drug and alcohol. Would they all love to get help? Oh, those of them would love to get help. Yeah, I, I, they'd be saying it to us there, like I'd love to. To be able to walk into a house and have a normal life and all this caper or into an apartment or something like that. Or go into treatment. Yeah, you know? the treatment first, right, Tony? And then uh, the, Oh, yes. Yeah. But they have to go through the treatment first like, before they can deal with anything else. Like. I know, I know, I know. Do you need any help, the work you do? Well, if there's anyone who, <laughs> if there's anyone who do want to help us out with donations and things for foodstuffs and, like... It'd be a great help, like you know, because we're working out of our own pockets. And would that be through PayPal.me forward slash no, Cork City we, Homeless? We, we don't. We don't want money. We prefer if someone donated products to us. Okay. And where would they meet because, up with you? How could they help and do all of that? Well, we're on we're on uh, Facebook. We're on WhatsApp. We're we're on nearly everything, really. Okay, Facebook is a good place to start, and that would be yeah. Cork City Homeless Group. On Cork Facebook. City Homeless Group, yeah. All right, okay. Um, 
your work your work and your intervention is very much needed thank you for it Tony thanks for taking no, it and it's that chat, uh, Paul is stuck at night time there for dinner tell me give us a bell I'm going to give him your mobile number that's what I'm going to do yeah you could do yeah alright Tony O'Byrne take care yeah. also their uh, penny dinners are open in the morning from 9 o'clock on and they're brilliant ah yeah but we don't want young men like him uh, who clearly have something to offer to be living in a tent in the Mardike. We want him oh, yeah, in his own gas, you know, like, you know with his own Katrina's shower. Katrina has a great bit of stuff, undoubtedly. All right, Tony, cheers, my man. Take care. Cork Silly Homeless Group on Facebook, lads. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. You betcha. Uh, Mary, good morning. Hi, how are you? Uh, no, uh, talking to Tony there from Cork City Homeless Group, he was referencing a lot of different things. One in particular was uh, homeless people who had been put into accommodation in the Commons who were bounced out with 12 hours notice. You wanted to pick up on that? Talk to me. Yeah, yeah. I was in Abbey Courthouse about a week and a half ago and then um, I started talking to a couple and the, the man told me he was, after, he was staying in the Commons and they had to be out to let the Ukrainians in. Okay. Now, um, the girl he was with that was actually after getting stabbed two nights previously outside the Simon is that? So when they left when they left common the commons in, where did they go? I'm I'm not too sure. I wasn't talking to them for that long. We were just sitting I was waiting to see the community welfare officer. But um he But just it sounds said, evident to me that if they left the commons and she got stabbed outside the so- Simon that they had become homeless. Yeah, no, they were homeless, yeah. They were they were homeless. But um, she he, she was after being stabbed outside Simon, and he had previously been saying I don't know whether she was, because she was in the room when I was talking to him. But she he was after being staying in the comments previously, and he was turfed out. Right. Okay. And why would they have been in Abbey Courthouse typically? What would they have been there looking for? Somewhere to lay their head? Is it? I, I don't know. It was the girl that was in the office. So. He, he was looking for payments. Right. There was homeless payments, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's looking for payments. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were having trouble with payments. They had no money and they know where to yeah. stay. Yeah. But they had yeah. been in the commons and were given but I'm not sure about I'm not sure about the girl. Yeah, but, so, but, yeah, but anyway, so, so what, the point being, what Tony boy. is saying is true. You you spoke to people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. true. It's okay. very, very sad. Okay, okay, thanks for that. Thanks for that. It's thanks. Thank you. Uh, with regards to Paul, uh, isn't this just lovely? One of our own boys, Cork boys, homeless, no valid address, no bills, no nothing. He has no address to send a bill to. That's what's wrong with this country. That's what's wrong with this city. Uh, there's a few good houses vacant at the moment. Why, oh why? Somebody else says, listening to your conversation with Paul in the tent, I'm actually crying here listening to that boy on the radio. Would the hotel not help him out and hire him? Uh, with board, maybe, even on a trial basis. It's so sad. Yeah, he loves chefing and he loves cooking. He he told me that. Uh, God Almighty, so sad to hear that lovely lad in such dire straits at the age of 22. I have a son not much older and I'd hate to think that he'd end up in that situation. What has this country come to that our youngsters are thrown to the streets and ignored by authorities? Yet it is amazing how we can help others in so many other ways. Um, I'm in the same mental state as that young guy. Luckily, I can stay in my stepfather's house. I don't have money to give, but I will bring the guy some dog food for his little dog and even a fishing rod so he can catch a few trout from the lee to eat. I have a brand new sleeping bag too. Can you ask him if he could call down and meet me? I'd love to help in any way I can because I know how something so small can just make your day. 
and so many other things can bring you down much faster. Isn't that very true? Very well written. Thank you for that. Again, I'll pass on. I'll get the lads to communicate again uh, with uh, with uh, Paul a little later on um, and uh, pass on numbers and let him know that people are thinking about him. He's hardly listening because he doesn't probably have a radio or batteries or anything inside in the tent. He's got other things to do. But people do help. They really and truly do. And just chatting with Tony there from Cork City Homeless Group, you can see how Cork people do help their own. Um, many people are despairing, though, uh, listening to that man who is making the meals for the homeless. The government have a lot to answer for. Penny dinners are always there, lads. You know, they really and truly are. It's, it's, it's not ideal that we have a world where it's needed, but it's there and needed. Um, and others help as well. It was, ran out of time yesterday, and I wanted to talk to Joe at uh, Joe's Hair Salon um, because uh, they constantly help people in need, and they just get on with it. And time to time put out appeals and I'm happy to be part of the appeals to ask people to come on board to help but they had a fantastic appeal recently and a lot of this has to do with uh, back to school issues Joe good morning good morning Ian, my friend how are you I'm well now how did it go because sorry I, I ran out of time yesterday when did you have to get was the get together last week we get together was last Monday Neil we had an amazing day we had the haircuts in the salon and then altar flanneries for food and party clips for all the mothers and children and we had entertainment a whole lot. Neil, it was a fantastic day. Okay. Lovely day. Okay. And we what? had about turkey and it was great cracks. It was very emotional, Neil, just to see the kids there having so much fun um, everyone going away with presents and, you know, looking after the mums as well and it makes you very great for me, you know. Really would, does would that have been, have, would they have been from Edel House then? Edel House, Coon Lee, and some from Besborough as well. And then there would be a few people contacted me privately as well, but they didn't come for the haircuts. They just came for the school stuff and things like that. And when you say school stuff, what, what again this year, what did you manage to gather and put together? Literally, Neil, we managed boxes and boxes and boxes of school bags, um, pencil cases, copies, water bottles, lunch boxes. Most stuff for going back to school for kids. We got a mongous amount of stuff. I'd say we could have easily got about eight grand worth of stuff. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. We actually we have hundreds going back to school now going back to school next week with stuff that we collected Neil and we're so thrilled. I'd say people were quite emotional, were they? Absolutely, yeah. I got a phone call from Coon Lee um yesterday just saying thanking us very much and saying the kids were just overwhelmed by the stuff that was coming in and they're able to pick out for going back to school. And see, they have other, other houses outside of Coonley itself, and yeah. bed and breakfast and people that they contact, and they were thrilled. Took a lot of pressure, Neil, off people, you know. So you are talking about primary school children going to school from a B and B room. secondary, yeah, primary, secondary, and, you know, from starting school to going into sixth year, we, we cater for most. Depending on what came in, a load of stuff came in, you know, people dropping stuff into salon customers. I know eight. that. They're but fabulous. Then, yeah, they're fabulous. Fabulous. Neat. And then you had, you know, Barry's and Jono's and Flynn's flowing and all those giving loads. You know what I mean? Giving a lot of donations now and it made a big difference. And one man dropped me in a thousand euros and an envelope just said, Joe, you know what to do with that. I don't even know what they're going to do. I said, but I trust you. Amazing. I just can't get it out of my head that we would have young children, well, children of all ages, who are sleeping in a bed and breakfast bedroom, and that is their home, and they get up in the morning, and they put on their clothes and the school bag that you gave them, and the books and the pencils, yeah. and, everything, and yeah. they head off to school from a B&B. 
I mean, that... I was just seeing it to Darwin the next morning. We're lying down a coffin. Can you imagine that day they had an amazing day, but what they were going back to Neil and what they were getting up to the next day, you know, and actually leaving there then and going off to school. How hard is that? And going oh, it's back awful. Again it season? really puts things in perspective, you know. Yeah, I, and the mothers, like, Neil, we had a great day as well for the moments We know they got vouchers from done stores and we had lovely makeup presents for them and hair vouchers and the whole lot. But the uncertainty for them, you know, in their lives, and the, the, the crack we had for the few hours, you know, took their mind off it for a while. But, you know, the uncertainty and the emotion with them, they'd actually be hugging you and giving your kiss and saying, Joe, thanks very much, lads, you're amazing, and they can't be for the Christmas one we're going to do for Christmas. I know, you know they, think they, Christ- they thought Christmas came in August. Yeah. Neil, regular faces, you know what I mean? People we'd have met before at the Easter one, and kids now nearly know us at this stage, you know? You threw up the marquees, though, I suppose, did you? Oh, yeah, Flannery. Absolutely amazing. Hot food, cold food, brought out um, soft drinks to everybody, tea and coffee. Only for Flannery's, Neil, I actually wouldn't yeah. be able to do the crowd that we do. I know, know yeah. Because the yeah. salon is great. But we had, we, had, we, had, we had a lot of fun, too, you know. Did I have to ask there you, was, I have to ask you, did Darren pull his weight? Well, he did very much. So he was sitting down with the mothers and he was chatting to them and doing a raffle and going around with tickets and we're asking little questions then, you know, um, guess how old Joe is. <laughs> you know what I mean? That are coming up with 30 and 40 years of age and then say, guess how old Joe is with Botox? <laughs> so we put you, know, you, know, da- you know, Darren, did Darren ever realise back in the day um, what he was signing up for? <laughs> Darren, um, I'm not sure, Neil, no, but he loves it now. He's on for everything. As you call him, the long suffering Darren, but he's on for everything. He's great, and he has great way with the with the kids and the mothers and all that. Where did you know? guys meet? We were asking people there over the past few days. You know, where oh, did you Neil, meet? If you I had told you, if I had told you our story now, we'd have I heard you were half. I heard you were half Langers anyway when it happened. We were inside in chambers, <laughs> and I went out for cigarettes. And I saw, on the way out, I saw this gorgeous man sitting on a stool. I said, "Oh my God, he's very handsome." <laughs> And I was having a cigarette, and I was kind of thinking, so coming back out again, and I don't normally approach somebody, but I did that evening, that night. And I what, are you trying to make out you're shy or something, is it? Get away out of Very shy, yeah. <laughs> and you see, with the noise and the whole lot, I thought he was Polish, um, living in Mitchell's house. <laughs> you thought that's so, what he said, is it? That's what he said, yeah. So we exchanged numbers, and we met for two dates. And he, when I decided, or when we both decided we are going to make a go of it, I sent down um, a card and flowers and saying, um, join me on the roller coaster of life. <laughs> and he, we moved in together then, and on our rings when we got married, Darren had the roller coaster begins. So that's lovely. <laughs> oh, it that's is lovely. lovely. I love yeah, it. <laughs> I might get a blow dry at Joseph's as a prize or something, will I? <laughs> Do your own hair as a treat. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but I then, love um, it. Yeah, but we had a great day that day and amazing and to very, very honest we could not do that without your support. Nah, stop well. that. I mean, listen, whatever, whatever you need, just stay in touch, will you? No, Regards- the, day I was on the, the day I was on the phone to you, I went back into Barry's, I got a donation, I went up to Hanley's to give me 250 euros just by talking to you on the phone. Great you know companies. I mean? Jim Hanley, great guy. Peter Collins, oh, great guy. And Joe's yeah. a great guy too. Look after yourself. Regards to Darren and all the staff, all right? Neil, one way down to Wexford now, we're going to Marfield House down as driving. We're having a bit of a break. <laughs> Why don't you drive? 
um, because um, I'm talking to I'm you and I can't drive. Because I'm talking to you on the phone, that's why. <laughs> that's the reason why. He'll pull over now and I'll take over. All right, okay. Share the load. Good luck on the, what did you call it? The roller coaster of life. The roller coaster of life. I Neil love Neil. it. Cheers, it Joe. Is, take care, my man. Neil, Just a fast care, one. Man. Tracy. Hi, Neil. I'm trying, trying to end on a happy note or a lighthearted note. Where did you meet your better half? Um, so we're both scout leaders and we met um, on a training weekend down in Brinney in West Cork. Um, and he was I'd noticed him on the training, but I wasn't really looking for a relationship at the time. And um, we were talking about tents and I said, oh, which tent are you in? And he said, oh, no, no, I brought my camper van. <laughs> So uh, I got a tour of the camper van. And, so is, that what uh, scout, is that what scout leaders talk about? Like knots and tents and twine yeah, and ropes? pretty much. It yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, eight years later, we're still together. We're, we've a, an, a new camper van just converted between us now that we're we getting on the road this week. And so the camper van sold it, was it? I'll take this guy. We, we sold that one and uh, we have another one on the road there now. And we have a big scouting event coming up in um, Kipoli called Ventact in a couple of weeks so that camper will be getting its first uh, scouting outing then. And do you go away then on hiking and do you go away on jamborees and stuff like that? Yeah um, we do scouting events like that now. We staff um, a lot of events to help out uh, volunteering and we travel around ourselves in Ireland a lot with the camper van. This is our um, this year we, we went away as we had a family wedding abroad but most summers we spend it just travelling around Ireland in the camper van oh listen you know I'd love it's to do it's amazing I was, uh, yeah and what, what scout troop are you? you do you know so I'm with um, Killa scout group we're 68 Cork and my partner Nigel is with Bantry all right, They're so there's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's fair down west, west, and you're fair down east. He is, yeah, we're either ends of the county, but right. uh, it works for us. So I was, in, I was the seventeenth Black Rock, says he, saluting. Oh, very good. Yeah, we have uh, one, the, one all. all is there still a Dean Scannell? Is that still knocking around? No, no. The uh, the big event, like you, you have your County Shields and your your Phoenix, is just over there now for the the scouts. Um, so it's the competitions have kind of changed a bit throughout the years. That was a big cup that was, uh, you know, everybody everybody got involved in the yearly competition for the Dean Scandal yeah. Cup. You know what? The, I, I'm out of time now, but you know what? The camper van. I'd love to send you off to one of our tourist attractions. Uh, you know, you can maybe pick one that might work, whether it's east along or west. Oh, along. I love it. Okay, so yeah. I've got Charles Fort. I've got Cove Heritage Centre. I've got the Yall Clockgate Tower. I've got the Collegiate Down in Yall. I've the Titanic Experience, West Cork Secret, Clonakilty Black Butter Visiting Centre, Cork Harbour Boat Hire, Leahy's Farm, Camden Fort Mars of Butte, and Perks Family Entertainment Centre. Have a think about those and see what you want to pick and you can head off in the camper van. I will do. That would be lovely, Neil. Thanks a million. All right, hold on there. I'll put you back on hold. You can pick one. I'm opening the phone lines now as well for a few of them. My apologies to Christine. I hope she's available in the morning. We'll chat then. So that's what I have left, that list there that still remains. Foot golf is also on the list. West Cork Secret is on the list. So we'll open the phone lines uh, and allow you to talk to Claire to pick one yourselves. We'll take three, maybe three different ones, a selection of them. Uh, Get on the phone now, 0818104106, and we'll send... And this is for a family of four of you. Take yourself off to the various tourist attractions that we've been giving away all summer. Alliance will stay open on 0818104106. Text 0868104106. Have a good day. 
I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.